0: Combat time. Combat
1: time.
2: Hello, and welcome to another episode of Combat Time. I am one of your hosts, Yassine, and I am joined by Jay.
1: Hello, hello.
0: And Josh. What is up? What is up with you? Oh, not much. I'm just sitting here getting ready to record another beautiful, uh, epic episode. uh, After our our super epic, well, this will be mega epic since our last episode was super epic. But, uh, fuck, wait. (laughs) what what were we gonna talk about today?
1: I I I'm running a blank here.
2: Uh you know, we've gotta talk about a little of this, a little of that. Maybe nothing. Maybe the, something. There yeah.
1: are like there are things there are things going on in the realms these days, for sure, guys. One hundred percent. That are worth that are worth mentioning. Yeah, we would
2: not talk about any realms. We this is a purely you know how in anime they have a filler episode? That's the episode.
0: Oh yay,
2: the filler episode. So everybody can skip this episode now. <laughs>
0: <laughs> hey, unless you want no, to get personal and intimate with your three favorite hosts. Yeah, But
2: no, um, what, we're, what we're doing is that we just kind of wanted to have an episode where we just kind of talk and sort of have, because we've done a lot of like topic episodes and we have a bunch of topic episodes planned. Don't worry about that. Like we have, I mean, we have a bunch of stuff lined yeah, up. We're not
0: really out of ideas, do. Just just to be quick. We're, yeah, we
2: have, we pretty much have ideas for the rest of the year but yeah. we kind of we kind of just wanted to do an episode where we you know talk about just what we're doing you know what we're playing what we're watching kind of kind of chill episode
1: yep and uh also this is probably not the first time we'll do one of these episodes granted they won't be you know routine or structure they're just going to be kind of like uh when we decide that we've done a lot of topics we've done a lot of research on something and we just kind of just want to chillax. What are you guys doing? What are you playing? What are you watching? Type episode. We're gonna have these every now and again, so it's um, it'll be fun.
2: Yeah, it's kind of an off topic kind of
1: episode. Yeah, a relaxed fit. But as some of you may know, you or... say relaxed fit. I did say that, <laughs> like pants. But, yeah. But as some of you may know, who have been um, who have actually been watching our stream, who have been watching our live streams that we've been doing recently, you know, we've got some things coming up in the pipeline. Um, that will talk, that will probably briefly mention in this episode, but you know, I hey, think everyone's going to
0: predict that it's going to be a f- episode full of seeing just venting about sub-zero yes. mythologies. Yeah, um, man. Oh man,
2: I need to start writing up my notes because <laughs> I've got so many thoughts on that game.
1: I already wrote a whole bunch of notes on that, like on that game, that I think are absolutely wonderful. I like. I- Mythology. you
2: say wonderfully but you're not at the exactly
1: control. i like the fact like it's wonderful because you're playing it. you see not because i'm playing it so it's, sure i you. i enjoy watching you playing it you've convinced me that you playing it is all i'm ever gonna need of that game
0: yeah just <laughs> watching a let's play equals playing the game this these days right
1: don't worry, I, uh, like yeah. I will, I I will, I will take one for the team. So if we ever have to review Mortal Kombat Special Forces, I will, I will take the dive and take one for the team and play that game all the way through.
0: You heard to hear her first, folks. Yep, Jay is going to play Special Forces, and we're going to watch him.
1: Yep, and I'm probably going to and I'm pro- <laughs> and I'm probably going to get angry because Yasin should not have to suffer alone. So, I mean, the thing is, I'm probably going to play it too. That
0: means I'll be playing Shallow monks. Man, I get off easy. Ah, uh, you must be out of your mind. After, <laughs>
2: after be, after me playing mythology, there's no way that I'm not playing
1: challenge. Yasin deserves to twitch uh, to twitch stream that one because that is like his like most looked forward to game. True, true. Oh,
2: and by the way, I mean not that we should be you know plugging all of our stuff, but we do have a Twitch channel, Twitch TV slash Combat Time Pod. Um, we don't have a regular schedule. We kind of just whenever we all have time to get together to play something we do right now we're just playing mythologies because that's going to be a future episode of what we're going to talk about uh and i'm almost done at this point i'm at the last level <coughs> but
0: god knows um, how long that's going to take to beat. who knows
2: but uh in the future we probably will stream other games maybe do some you know versus stuff like garo or something like if i, I could figure out how to do that without breaking my computer that would be great. And um, I,
1: and I know at some yeah. point and I know at some point we need to figure out a way for like you, uh, Yusine, uh, and Josh and um and I said that wrong, but basically all four three of us. Uh, basically all three of us to actually stream some Tekken seven because we, we, we do love some Tekken up in this place.
0: Oh am I gonna have to buy a PlayStation or a PC or something? Shit. Uh
1: oh, wait, I, I have I don't know if I can mm,
2: We'll have to figure that out. Yeah. I don't know if it'll happen, but yeah, because
0: let's well, not wishing a star just yet. But we definitely yeah, want to. Not, yeah, star we don't know.
2: That's yeah. that's a whole thing. But uh that is kind of what's happening in the
0: future. Speaking of wishing a star, when me and Jay finally get to playing Resident Evil Eight, wouldn't that be great? Because there's nothing more entertaining than watching the us Abbott and Costello uh, <laughs> uh, Resident Evil. Because we're so far a little different from our each other in terms of play style that it's got to be. I'd be fun to watch. I don't know if Jay's going to be fun to watch. If you like fucking staring at a map for five minutes.
1: (laughs) I mean, yeah, but I don't know, what's what's more? Like, (laughs) I'll I'll definitely add some colorful commentary. Like, if we're on, like, the Twitch stream, I'll be the first to comment, like, okay, I'm checking my map, how much ammo do I have? Okay, so if I take five steps forward this way and run into this enemy, if I dodge left and then I hit him, like, five times, I'll stun him and I can run away and then go this way and actually escape the room without actually... Like I'm, for, for, I've already changed the channel. Yeah, I know. Like for, <laughs> for, for, for everybody, for everybody that doesn't know that's listening, Josh is sort of like the like Leroy Jenkins type that'll just run in mm-hmm. guns blazing in a Resident Evil game, and I'm the guy that likes to calibrate his sniper rifle to the absolute like correct calibration in order to actually shoot something one time and it dies, and then I will check my map constantly because I'm a planner. Like that's just how I am. So so us and we always so when, have to
0: us. Uh, We always have to switch our controllers back and forth because I'm an inverted controls bro.
1: You're you're Mm an insane controls bro. You're an inferior controls bro. As far as I'm concerned, (laughs) I
2: will say I don't know what's better to look to watch: Uh, Jay looking at a map for forty five minutes, or me constantly dying in Mythologies and just like hitting my chair and stuff like (laughs) every time.
0: I definitely say the latter. Unless you're really (laughs) into planning and stuff like that, and you're kind of getting along with Jay, being like, "Yeah, I've
2: died so many times in that game, though." Oh my
1: god! But at the very least, the death animation is hilarious. It's wonderfully hilarious. (laughs) So, (laughs) Uh,
2: enough about that. We're gonna talk about that game later. So So true. I think for now, uh, we should just go around and say, you know, talk about any games that we're playing, not specifically Mortal Kombat, but yeah, if there are any other games that we're playing. Currently, what you all playing?
0: What you playing? Do you even have time me? to play games? <laughs> so you don't have time to play. I games. I said, do you eat? Do you even? Yeah, and you know, for me, for me, it depends on the time of the week. Lately, I have been uh, getting sunk into some games. Uh, it's it's taking time away from other more constructive things, but hey, you know, the entertainment is is welcome. So, but I'll, I'll let one of you guys go first because you see, seen, actually, you showed us a really awesome game last night, and I'm assuming that's going to oh, be yeah, one yeah. of the games you're going to gush about.
2: Yeah, so it's a game called Sifu that came out earlier in February. Uh, It's a martial arts action game where you basically run through a typical martial arts movie scenario. Uh, Your father slash mentor is killed by his old uh, students. And you basically train for about eight years to get revenge. And you go through each stage to fight one of the people who attacked your dojo or Wugwan is what they call it. The thing is that you have a talisman that lets you, you know, allows you to be resurrected a certain number of times. So as you play the game, you'll die and you'll age up a year. And then when you die again, if your death counter goes up to two, then you age up two years, so on and so forth. And as you get older, you get stronger, but your health gets lower. And then when you reach age 70, you, that's basically your last life. And then it's basically like a roguelike where you kind of have to keep going back again and again and again to earn more XP, to learn more moves, to be able to get through the game faster. But you also have to, like, learn the patterns of the enemies and how to dodge and parry. It's it's really it's weird because it's like it's a game that doesn't have that many mechanics. Like it has your you have your combos and stuff. Um, You don't have weapons except for the ones that you pick up in the environment. There's a lot of complex systems in it that make it more challenging it's a really hard game but it rewards you with learning like the more you learn the more you feel awesome going through the game and now i can go through the game and just destroy people and i'm trying to see if i can get through the game at the youngest age that i can which will be fun um but yeah i'm kind of obsessed with that game i've been obsessed with it since it was the last uh, announced last year and it's been the game that I've been waiting for the most, and it has not disappointed at all. I actually have it on PC and on PS4, so I'm going to beat it on PC, but I want to play it on PS4. I want to beat it on PS4 and get, like, the Platinum. It'll be my first, like, 100% Platinum game. Wow. So I love this game so much.
0: I mean, watching you play, I really wanna fucking dive into it. I wonder Yeah. I'm gonna be I'm gonna be stubborn and say, I wonder when that's gonna come on Switch.
1: Yeah, like dude, like you showed us that museum level and even I was like, Wow, this is really creative for an indie game. Like they are really not just it's not the same like overhead, um, third person camera view of you just kicking people's butt, which is still impressive because of the different moves that you do. But the way it plays with camera angles, it just like it really I think the thing I like about the most is that it's such a love letter to like martial arts action movies from like the seventies and eighties oh, yeah. and nineties. I mean it's it's doing there's so much homages in everything, you know, from, from every fight scene and how it's choreographed that you can't help but like it. So I like I was I, mean, the, I was the, impressed. Uh, I was very impressed by, like I mean,
2: it. yeah, like the the nightclub scene is pretty much like that John Wick scene from the first movie. Oh yeah. It's it's a lot. I mean, it's there's no gun battles in it, but still.
1: Well, I think, yeah, it's
2: it's it's a dream game for me.
1: And I think the thing that I love about it, uh, like love about the most, is that it recognizes something that tends to get overlooked in martial art action movies: is that the character of the scenery that they're fighting in and where they're fighting is almost just as important as the fight choreography mm-hmm. itself. Because if, if two people Are fighting in just a random, like, white blank room or something like that. Their martial arts skills could be phenomenal and they could be tracking hits for days. But if the room itself is boring, the fight doesn't feel like it has nearly as much character. Well, it's like if you take, say, a Jackie Chan movie where he's fighting, um, like, where he's fighting in pretty much any room and he has an object in his hand, he will utilize that and go. Everywhere, yep. like, and really take advantage of the environment that he's in, and this is pretty constant in most of his movies. So it really adds to the dynamic that this game recognizes that philosophy in martial art movies, and it ca- and it takes the character of its scenery very, very seriously. And just from what you showed us, you've seen it obviously does. And I think that was the thing I really was impressed by. It like they really just they got super creative with their scenery, and that's great. Uh, uh, yeah,
2: they. Like one thing that the it's the team at slow clap studio that did this game and they really like put a lot of like thought and care into like the level design of this, of these uh, stages. It's so good and it's so creative and it trips you out. Like that one part where like you're in the music, the top of the museum and then you go through the waterfall. Right. That when I first saw that, like, I got chills, and I was, like, scared. I was like, what is going on? Like, where am I going? Like, this was not expecting this at all. Uh It's, yeah, it's such a good game. More um, important
0: than that, though, like, the level design, which is great. It's just the concept. The, the concept of mm-hmm. uh, having to, the consequence for dying is you age. And, and yeah. the intricateness, the apparent intricateness of the, the combat system just makes it look hella inventive, like, way more fresh than any fucking AAA thing that's come out. And totally yep. refreshing for indie thing where you start to get like, okay, indie games are starting to feel the same. Nope. No, they did something completely fucking fresh and inventive. Just like I was saying the other night, super hot, which that's an indie game too, right? Yeah. Yeah. Which that was just like hella inventive. Takes a formula and twists it up. This is what this does. And, and that's the thing, I might the fucking thing about get this... it on my laptop, man. It looks like it's not going to be too, too resource heavy.
2: I don't know how your laptop is, but I think it could work. Yeah, it probably could. Um, they, it seems pretty optimized to me. Yeah, um, and you can adjust it. What is what is interesting is that the the studio that like their first game was called Absolver that came out like five years ago or something, and it was also a martial arts uh, game, but it was an online. It was ma- It was pr- primarily online multiplayer, so you went through this like weird land as like this faceless character, and as you fought people, you learned moves from them. So you fought someone and then they did a move. I think if you like countered it or if you like blocked it or like parried it or something, you got the chance to learn their move. So you basically built your combo list based off of the people you fought. That's awesome. And, and you also like, you had to do this thing where you had to change your stance, like a front stance, a rear stance or whatever to, in order to parry certain high and low attacks. Like, you basically had to, like, pay attention to how you're standing, which way you're facing, and then block the appropriate, like, move or something like that. It was very complicated, uh, actually a little bit too complicated the way they did it, because you had to, like, literally build your combos hit by hit. Like, you would go to the menu and you would say, okay, I want to start with this high kick, and it goes into this low spin kick, then you go with this punch combo, and he, like he basically built it from the ground up.
0: Wow, that sounds it was, intricate.
2: It's tr- too intricate, actually. It, it was a little bit too daunting for me, so I couldn't play it all the way. And also, at some point, it just felt like a barren land where you'd find a bunch of NPCs, but once in a while you'd find an online player. Um, it was a cool concept, but I think it was a bit too broad. So that's what I like about this game. It's very focused. It is a single-player game. You're playing one character. The moves are simplified, but you can add to your repertoire in a in a pretty simple way. Yeah, they they've narrowed it down and they've refined it their formula. So I can't wait what they do next. But yeah, I'm still obsessed with that game. Seifu.
0: Seifu. Yeah. How do you spell that game? S E E or S I?
2: S S I F U. Okay.
0: Hey. Fuck you too.
1: <laughs> <laughs> i guess also like um uh, i'll also mention a game that i um, um that i've been playing that is uh, it's kind of old news at this point but i still recommend if you have not played this you absolutely should and that mm-hmm. is metroid dread um course, i yeah. most yeah you seen and josh know that i'm a huge metroid fan i've been one really mm-hmm. ever since metroid prime but josh is also a big time metroid fan and The day that Metroid Dread came out, I played it, and pretty much from the first five minutes I moved Samus around, I was like, this is everything I ever wanted in a Metroid game. I mean, like, if there's one thing that they did better than any other Metroid game out of the entire franchise, in my opinion, is how they animate Samus. Her controls and her movements are just silky butter, like, the entire way through. Like, she moves like a dream. And that, like, made me just beyond happy that I could actually see, you know, one of my beloved favorite video game characters of all time actually play as smooth as Samus does in Dread. And not only that, the game is actually quite good. It still captures the essence of a Metroidvania while also trying to add new uh, mechanics to it to make it a bit more fresh. It definitely has a little bit of a... uh, of a Mr. X, Resident Evil, you know, kind of feel mm. to it, or Nemesis, Resident Evil, you know, feel to it, where you are, you're always getting pursued by this one thing that you can't kill. But what's different about it is that it's only in certain areas of the game. It's a bit more intuitive than those who have played um, Metroid Fusion, if you know that game, where, like, the, uh, the evil version of Samus is kind of following you around, but it's very scripted. But in Dread... It's it's still kind of scripted to a degree because it's only going to pursue you in certain areas of the game, but those areas are a lot more vast, and you can and will have to transverse them, like basically to get from one side to the other. And it's not so much that once you get to the you know like one of those areas, you have to immediately beat the enemy. You can totally like run through it and run away to explore and find other stuff. And much like any Metroidvania game, you know you can find like. Hidden areas, hidden power ups that don't really add to any sort of like a um, necessity. I'm sorry, necessity to actually complete the game. But you know, if you want to get them to like increase your health or increase your missile stock or whatever, you can totally do it. And the bosses, man, the bosses are really fun, really challenging. It's one of those, in my opinion, perfectly difficult games to where it's not going to handhold you. But it does actually make sure that when you encounter a boss for the first time, unless you're just really, really good, you're probably going to die, and that's okay. But each time that you die, you're going to get further and further and further along in the boss, so you have at least a consistent progression rate before you finally figure out the patterns and you beat it. And that's with every boss in this game. I... Loved it. I I 100%ed it, which I shared a screenshot of to Yasin and Josh, I think, a while back. And yet you but want
0: to play it again.
1: Yes, absolutely. Because now I want to play it like I normally would without actually having the goal of, like, completing everything. Because if you've ever played any RPG or any, like, and really this is not limited to RPGs, this could be almost any game, where... You have the option to go back and get some stuff that you miss. There's always that choice to where like, hey, I could go forward and just beat this game or get to the point of no return in the game, or I could go back and try and find stuff that I miss. I mean Doom Eternal has this setup too. Um, and that's definitely not an RPG. It's a first person shooter. So, you know, I kinda want the uh, I kinda like the idea that I can go through and do stuff and do some sequence breaks that are actually available in the game, because you can do those too, and just kind of, you know, just sort of challenge myself in different ways with a different game style of playthrough. At least that's kind of what I like to do. That's what makes Metroid games to me good. You can play them again and again and again, and you can realistically get a different experience every single time. I've played Metroid Prime at least like three or four times, and I've played Metroid Prime 2 um, at least twice, and I love both those games, and honestly, I've played Super Metroid, I think, like, f- god, like freaking four or five times, but I only ever beat it, like, really three times, just because the other times I was just playing it or whatever. And I've even played the original Metroid, which I will never beat, huh. and I do not want to beat, because that game is too hard, and there's no map, and I need maps in my life, so... <laughs>
0: it's funny you say no maps, that'll just be something I bring up when I talk about my games, but... Forge- and, Man.
1: and also, as of today oh and like and also as of today i've joined the trend which is going to date this episode but i've downloaded elden Ring. (laughs) i'm going into it mostly blind the only thing i know is hey dark souls rpg open world a la breath of the wild and honestly that's it so maybe in the future on a future twitch stream i'll probably comment like oh i love this game or oh i hate this game it's going to be one or the other
2: (laughs) so i think it's going to be a game for you i think I think this can be a game for you because it is all about exploration. It is all about, I mean, at least from what I've heard about like Dark Souls games and from like Bloodborne, which is another one of their titles. It's all about, you know, exploration and it is a difficult game. You have to learn how to navigate the map and everything like that. But you're also unfolding the story through the people you meet. Yeah, I think it's a game that you're going to get lost in if it doesn't frustrate you to the point of. (laughs)
1: <laughs> it like it may because like uh, like josh can tell you this but honestly i'm kind of over sandbox style games they can be really good but i've also played ones that in my opinion are just such a waste of potential final fantasy 15 is one of them um uh, mass effect andromeda i i freaking love mass effect as a game trilogy i love 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 that but mass effect andromeda just uh, A part of me wants to play it again in the future, but that's going to be a far future. Like, I need another couple of years before I play that game again. Because I just, you know, the open world just didn't do much for me because the same, same crap. Um, I didn't like Breath of the Wild for the same reason. And I don't disrespect anybody that loves Breath of the Wild. I think Breath of the Wild is a great game. It is just not for me because I do not like those open world sandboxes where you feel like you don't really achieve anything.
2: I wish you told me that before you bought Elden Ring? Like, (laughs) Elden Ring is their, Elden Ring is their first, like, attempt at, like, open world style game, I think. Like, if, if you wanted that kind of an RPG, but not the open world part, I probably would have suggested, like, Bloodborne. Well. Instead, because I've heard people say that, uh, Elden Ring, I've heard people say, Elden Ring is a great game, but it's not necessarily a good game to get on board with. Initially, like, if it's your first time playing a Souls game, Elden Ring may not be the one. It may be something like Dark Souls or uh, Bloodborne or something like that, because they're more they're more uh, focused.
1: Well, we'll find out. Cause like I, I kind of I actually had that notion. You seen when I bought it, cause I was like, okay, this could, this is gonna be open sandbox style world. It does have the potential mm-hmm. to be quote unquote bad, but. I also remember sandbox games that i played that I have liked. I don't diss sandbox games entirely. Like, one of my favorites is, honestly, uh, Grand Theft Auto Vice City. Grand Theft Auto Vice City sandbox is great, <laughs> honestly. I kind of love it. Um, but that's just because, like, yeah. it's not, like, stupid, you know, big. But there, it's the way it's done. Because I think, I was talking about this before we started streaming, but I think, like, one of my least favorite things about open sandbox games is just the lack of impact that you have on it just from going through the world. You know, I was saying that I like the idea that when you're crossing the realm or the world or whatever, you'll find these enemy enclaves that are just there. It could be like a small village or a small area with a fire, like with a fireplace on it. And you have to, fight the enemy if you choose to and defeat them all and you may get some rewards from it whatever it may be and that's usually fine it's just that like you run away for five minutes and then all of a sudden they all the enemies just completely respawn and completely just negate what you did and that's cool for some but I just that tends to just kill the motivation for me to do any of that stuff like I it makes me not care about the open world and just more or less want to go in a straight line to whatever my objective is whatever it may be. And if the objective is like, hey, look around and find stuff, well, then I guess I'm just going to keep looking around and wandering and not doing anything because I have no desire to fight an enclave for something that'll just respawn five minutes later after I leave. It's not prevalent in all games, but I know in Mass Effect Andromeda, it's really bad in that game. And that really was like a downer for me as far as wanting to continue it.
0: I guess it depends on what you're looking for in a game because it's like, yeah, I started playing Breath of the Wild, uh, you know, when I was at your place, and then I bought it for myself, and it's like just wandering around the world, I'm perfectly happy with. Like, playing at your place, I, I went through the goals, you know, and picked, you know, the, the dungeons, but once I actually got it for myself, I haven't completed a single fuck at all dungeon. I've just been I've been creating my own head can head cannon. I'm gonna explore them the snowy range, and I'm gonna go down to the jungle and I'm just gonna cartograph the whole map and I have not made. Any progress other than clearing the map, and you know what, I'm okay with that. I'm a guy I haven't that beat w- the game yet. Oh no, I haven't beat the game. And guess what? Before Breath of the Wild Two comes out, I ain't gonna beat the game. I'll probably just drop <laughs> it and go play the sequel. Uh You know, I was that kid when I played Link to the Past. I avoided going to the first dungeon because I got to Kakariko Village. I just want to hang out in the fucking village and talk to NPCs and, and cause a ruckus. So different play styles. Yeah. Or Jay, Jay's Richard. a Richard definitely a hundred percent guy too, and I'm not. I'm not for that.
2: I'm not either. Like that's why I think seafood is gonna be the first one that I hundred percent because it's it's very attainable. I think, mm. and that's that's one of the few games like that I can I I can see myself going through again and again and again and again because it's like you find you create challenges for yourself and it's not always the same every time you play it. Um, another game that I want to do that with at some point is the Marvel Spider-Man games. Oh, right, uh-huh. yeah. Those ones, I love those games. Did you get the so second one? Games.
0: You're talking about the yeah, the, yeah. the the new one that came out that you you had me play the beginning of without telling me anything, and it blew my yeah. fucking mind. Yeah, yeah.
2: We <laughs> had a one that came out a couple years later, which is the Miles Morales. Miles one.
0: Morales one, yeah. And
2: that one was also good, and it was also it was small, it was a smaller game, but still really good. So I want to go back and 100 percent those as well. There's a few games that do that where you just like you can see yourself going back to every year or two. And just playing again and
1: again,
0: yeah i can I can feel that'm i trying to think that yeah, maybe I haven't played games as frequently enough to do that only.
1: i I do find it funny though, like you know the games that like I think all of us tend to like that we do one hundred percent or at least mostly one hundred percent or at least do extra things on I know that for me, I think the two games that really stand out in my mind where like I have to one hundred percent this game is Metroid Prime, um Final Fantasy ten uh and Actually, yeah, and the original Mass Effect Trilogy. Pretty much every single game in the Mass Effect Trilogy. Because, like, I end up, like, really bonding with those particular games to a point where, like, okay, I have to get every weapon, every skin, every color, you know, and find every aspect mm-hmm. and do all the worthless things. Not because I find it boring, but because I'm so, like, ingrained in the world that I just feel like I have to do yeah. it. Like, I know that with Final Fantasy X... Final Fantasy X, I can't even say is my is my favorite Final Fantasy. But there's just something about doing side quests and doing different things in that world that really kind of drives my motivation to want to complete it. And I think that just has to do with the turn-based fighting system that they have is really, really good. And I like getting all the summons and, you know, finding all the legendary weapons in that game so that way I can use them. It just feels rewarding when you actually get it. And, you know, with Metroid Prime it's unique because in order to 100% that game, you not only have to get all the health tanks and missile expansions for Samus, but you also have to scan every single log to get the full story of the game um, in order to truly 100% it. And I can say that even though I played Metroid Prime like four or five times and beat it, I have not gotten 100% of that game. I always miss something. I, I Because I try not to do lookups on where everything is because sometimes... There's lots of
0: stuff to scan.
1: Yeah, I think the closest I've gotten is 97%. So I've missed, like, two scans um, in that game. And I know that, like, you know, because Prime is a bit unforgiving, once you pass a certain threshold or once you defeat a certain enemy, that enemy may may never come back in the game. And if it does, well, you're never going to get 100%. So it's one of those games where, like, Mm. you can't just you know reflect and go back and do it like certain bosses you can only scan one time and once you beat it it's gone you're never going to know so you it is one of those games where part of the part of the challenge if you're trying to go for a 100 percent completion is that you have to scan every single thing when you walk into a room if you haven't done it already so that can be that 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 may not be anybody everybody's cup of tea and that's fine um, but for me, just because I wanted to say that I did it, you know, it was big for me. But I, in order to get to that point, you have to love the game. And if you love the game, you'll dedicate that time to it. And I think that's where the yeah. line is for most people. Do you Does this game motivate you um, and make you love it so much that you have to do everything, you know, in order to achieve what you want to achieve just for just for what, the bragging points or even the self-bragging points, even if you don't post it anywhere. And I think that's what it is for me.
2: That's kind of what I, another game that I want to do that with, and I always say I want to do it, but I don't do it all the way, is the Uncharted games. I love the Uncharted games so much. It's one of my favorite franchises. And they definitely have that collection system where you can go through and find all the like treasures, like collectible treasures that you can collect or whatever and have like a list and all that. Uh, I've never actually tried to 100% it, but at some point I want to go through those games once again. And when I do, I'm probably going to try to 100% all of them because I just, I just have so much fun in those games. Oh, Josh. Hmm. What are you playing, man?
0: Oh, well, I was going to remark when Jay was talking about Final Fantasy X, it's like, yeah, I know he was, he was really into that game because I got, when I was living with him, I got really <laughs> fucking tired of hearing that battle theme music. <laughs> so every time I walk in the door, you done. Dun 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 like, hear in your sleep. I still hear it in my sleep. And I also do want to remark that I did buy the Final Fantasy X remaster and Switch only so I could download uh X2 and play that instead.
1: He wants this girl brand, ladies and gentlemen.
0: <laughs> I like the girl, I like the whole girl band, it's super comfy. Except uh I got no fucking clue what I'm doing with that that battle system, so I haven't played much of the game.
1: <laughs> it's a class based system. So <laughs> oh, it's the first one. You know what though? Josh, you know what sucks is that like I feel like you can get into Final Fantasy X two quite well, but you would get into it more if you if you played older Final Fantasy games and knew what classes and they're going for. They're basically doing. I mean, I know the whole
0: RGB set RGB RPG setup, the classes. I know classes and I know skill trees. I know all that shit. It's just the the active battle system and X two might be unique. I don't know. It's like, it's not turn-based. It's like, you know, oh shit, I gotta, I gotta quickly, I gotta think on my feet in a turn-based RPG battle system. It really is overwhelming. It's very overwhelming. But,
1: well, uh... Least, well, I well don't. honestly, at least it's, like, at least it's not, like, real-time, I guess, real-time stuff. You know, I've kind of learned that, like, I feel like the future is real-time battle, which makes sense instead of turn-based battle.
0: You mean, like, but... Mortal Kombat? Mythology
1: Sub-Zero? Oh god, um, but like, <laughs> but like, re- but like, real time battles I feel like have their a very sort of like cool place because I've played Final Fantasy um thirteen, which I did love, but I will never play Ew. it again for a lot of obvious reasons. Um, but I'll I, never play it. Yeah, I, I did. I did enjoy the real time aspect of that game, but I feel like for me, I'm. I'm just so ingrained in turn-based RPGs because there's more really cool ways you can strategize with that about who's doing what, what combination you wanna do it in, rather than a real time. You have to make these decisions like quick, quick. Like the enemy's about to hit you with a sword and blow up your face with a mana bomb or something, and you gotta feel like, okay, like, do I hit him or do I just like, you know? phone a friend and talk to him about strategy before we actually X two is
0: basically that. I I cannot start an X two battle and then go use a bathroom and think over my strategy. No, I'll die. It's like it's it's not like something you could set your phone down, you're playing like a a phone game, you know, that's like turn based and and think about it. You gotta think on your feet. And I'm not good at doing that. That's why I like Mario over Sonic.
2: That's what I prefer.
0: Yeah. Speaking what of, I
2: prefer uh, fighting in the uh, in the moment.
0: Yeah, and I used to not like turn based battles too. Like my earliest childhood memory of playing an RPG was playing a uh, Tecmo Secret of the Seven Stars, and that's how. I, yeah, it's a Super Nintendo RPG. I for it might be Square Enix. I can't. No, duh, Tecmo. I just fucking said it. Um, <laughs> and that was my first encounter with random encounters, and I got very mm. frustrated. I'm like, what the fuck? Why can't I walk five feet? Fuck this shit. Um <laughs> I started to understand RPG appeal when I played like Odyssey, and I got into Atlas games. Uh and that's yeah. what brings me to present day. Uh see, so yeah, I guess my current obsession, Shimagame Tensei Five, as far oh, as yeah. battle systems, uh that's one that's very well uh, established and Is that the
2: one that just came out?
0: Yeah. I I briefly mentioned a couple episodes ago, too, because I was kind of hyped for it. When I got my 3DS, I ended up getting interested in Persona Q, even though I've never played a Persona game. Uh, And I played the demo of Etrian Odyssey 4 to prep me for it, because it's basically the same game. And I fell in love with that more. But they're both Atlas games. And then I found Shimagabe Tensei uh, Devil Summoner Soul Hackers. It's a spinoff of a spinoff. And fucking love that, and that's what kind of prepped me to play s m t uh oh and i I played a little bit of strange journey didn't like that as much uh that's what prepped me to play five and yeah five is is fucking awesome uh i'm the battle system it's it's super fucking addictive it's it's guess what it's semi open world um okay. and but it's obsessive like right before i i uh picked that up, I was playing metroid dread like j uh and i like dread i didn't love it as much as jay i got some issues with it uh you know that i think the the atmosphere which is the main attraction for metroid for me versus the exploration wasn't it was a little lacking it had some nice parts but like the music and the atmosphere was as memorable as like super or prime but uh i was i was getting into it samus does move fluid the fuck it is challenging like I was enjoying watching people complain about the difficulty, and I'm like, okay, this is cool. And I played it for about five hours. And then SMT Mm -hmm. came out, and I bought it, and and I just, like, in no time at all, I put 30 hours into it. And I'm like, fuck, yeah. That's the problem of uh, Atlas games for me, is I enjoy playing them, but I almost almost feel like it's obsessive. Like, maybe I'm not enjoying myself, because, you know, half of the game will be spent going through your demon party, and, you know fusing them and getting the right party synchronicity and all that shit and mm-hmm. and just getting all the this and that and you know making yourself most effective and, and and clearing the map and it just feels it's like is there reward in this? Versus playing something like Zelda or Resident Evil where my reward is this wonderful sense of exploration and not much different from watching a movie, you know, like a fantasy movie or something like that. There's one week where I hadn't played SMT for a day or two, and then just like that, pfft, I got a disease. And the disease is I have a hard time finishing games. Don't we all have that? I mean, everyone, the, the running joke on the internet is your backlog, lol. It's like when I bought my 3DS, which was when video gaming was revitalized for me, because like, I bought a Wii. I bought a Wii for Skyward Sword. And you remember Jared was trying to convince me not to do it. He's like, no, you're not really going to enjoy a Wii. And I'm like, but Skyward's Zelda. I gotta fuck with Zelda. He's like, you should get a 3DS. Look, I got one. Look at all this cool shit. And I'm like, that looks cool, but I don't see I don't see Skyward Sword on that. Uh, and then I bought a Wii and I hated yeah. Skyward Sword and I really wasn't interested in much else of the library and I'm like, fuck. Yep. And then I bought a 3DS and all of a sudden I'm like, oh, wow, I thought I was just growing out of video games. No, these are awesome. And then the problem was, I, I amassed like a dozen games, and I'm like, oh, fuck. Yeah. Um, so I was doing the same thing now, SMT. I instantly dropped it, because the other game I was really looking forward to, that I mentioned on the podcast, was the remaster of Shadow Man, which is old, it's, uh, people call it an N64 game, but it was multi-plat, it was also on PC, hmm. later on Dreamcast, it came out on PlayStation, but for once, the PlayStation version is apparently the worst version. Apparently it was really jank and like the graphics are like night and day compared to the other versions. So I had an N64 and you know, I'm away from my place almost all the time now. So my retro room is kind of neglected. But when I went back there and dusted off shadow man, I found out my memory pack don't fucking work. And I'm like, well, fuck. So, but lo and behold, remaster's coming out and I've been like chomping at the bit waiting. And it finally came out a little bit ago and that was my next obsession. I just dove into that and, uh, I'm maybe like three a quarter of the way through the game, and I'm starting to get into a point where I'm going to drop it because I, you know, went on vacation, and then I hadn't played it, and then I decided to pick up SMT again. But Shadow Man, I fully recommend playing. Mm-hmm. It's more engrossing than I remember. Just trying to explore the map, which is another important thing I wanted to bring up. This game, you know, it's it's a what a uh, third gen game, no map and it, it is it is a 3D platformer Mario 64 esque world there's no hub world at all it all is interconnected even more seamlessly than something like let's say Metroid Prime which will come out later it's super seamless and except for you cross over from the dead side to the live side so there's a light world dark world thing going on but most of the game is dead side it's based on a comic book about like a voodoo avenger guy and like the Phantom, the the role of Shadow Man is passed down, and he's the newest iteration in the comics. And he's just basically was wow. a guy that was down out of his luck. Shit happened, his family got killed, and uh, one thing leads to another, and he's the slave of a voodoo priestess. <laughs> and he has a, a mask embedded in his chest uh, that turns him into Shadow Man at night, or if he enters the dead world. And basically, some devil dude is recruiting serial killers. Basically, souls as dark and disturbing, you know, as, you know, he can identify with to build a giant cathedral in the dead side to uh, harness the energy of dark souls so they could create an army and kill the world and yada, yada, yada. And it's your task to go in and, and collect all the dark souls and then travel to uh, the real world at different locations and kill the serial killers. <laughs> Man, So it's half like, you know, really dark reading serial killer like police reports and the other half is dark super mario 64 but uh it's really addicting to explore the map and and you know you don't need a map man when you get used to the geography the more you wander and stuff like that just like in real life how do you think animals do it that's why you know staring at a map for 45 minutes for the birds dude except it's not because birds don't look at maps uh it probably isn't i want to recommend it to you but one of the other things is that they slow down this pace of the game uh that, because it's a remaster they put in a whole new area and one of the other areas you get to to meet the serial killers early on in the game they put a roadblock on it so the game moves a lot slower than at uh, the first third than it did originally, and I've got to wonder, like, if someone's not into this obsessive map exploring thing, they might not like it.
2: But isn't this game coming to the Nintendo
0: Online expansion? No, it's not. No, it's a remaster. I keep asking you the same question. You, you, yeah, that's the third year. time you know. asked me that. <laughs> no, no, dude, it's it's uh, just a straight up remaster, and it's multiplat. You can get it. You can get it. It's on PlayStation. No, but, it's on Xbox.
2: But I'm saying. Is the original ever going to end up on... The I expansion?
0: doubt it, because they only have like a fucking eight games in the expansion pack. Majora's but they're make... adding more. They're adding more, right? but I think it's mainly going to be first gen. I don't think these third-party games are going to get on there. Okay, Winback no. was one. That's on there. Yeah. But, uh you know, I don't think you're going to see Resident Evil 2. I don't think you're going to see... We know we ain't going to see GoldenEye, which apparently actually has a remaster coming out. So you might just be able to straight up buy that. Turok yeah. One and Two have remasters already, and there's probably no point in playing. I don't know. I, I, I'm not expecting it. It's not even. It was like a sleeper hit game. It's not even one of the. I mean, anybody that really is obsessed with games will say that's one of their favorite games in N64. But it's not like one of the players' choice, you know, type things. A lot of
1: people never fucking heard of it.
2: Honestly, I never heard of it until you showed it to you showed me the box of your old version. Right. Right. Yeah.
1: I think at some point but, uh, uh, but I think at some point, what I need to do is that Josh, since you're talking about like open world, so yeah, the way you describe Shadow man, I'll just go ahead and say it's probably not gonna be a game I'm gonna like just because i I am addicted to a map that tells me where I am because I like well to I will
0: say there's a map in the manual, a, a very vague map of the
1: overworld <laughs> you know what <laughs> kind of I, I, I can deal with a vague. I can deal with a vague map, you know, because like one game I wanted to mention that I'm playing right now, which I I promise you, like if you're not, if you love exploring big open worlds that are not sandbox in design nature, then I can't recommend Hollow Knight more than enough because that game, this is kind of old news because Hollow Knight's been out for a while. It's sort of like an indie darling uh, Metroidvania type of game, but You know, I bought it uh, last year in 2020, and I played about 75% of the way through it. And then just because life happened, I kind of put it down for a while, and I really haven't played it since, except periodically. But man, you want to talk about a phenomenal Metroidvania game. That game is so gosh darn good that honestly, I can't sing its praises high enough. It, It really is on par with Super Metroid in terms of how good it is. Um, and it was made by three freaking people of all things but you know i I, josh i know i showed you a couple of clips of it just so you could see the atmosphere and the music and the the atmosphere and the music is just bar none and it's a game where you get hints of the map they don't show you the full map you can find Mm -hmm. like little sections like little points in the game where you open up the map a little bit but it doesn't tell you every nook and cranny of where everything is it just gives you like a very basic like boxy overview of the map and you have to go to those areas to explore it and that's what i feel like makes it good because it's sort of like a melding of the best of both worlds you're exploring an open world with essentially no map at first but you find hints of what the map is if you just keep going to all these different areas and that pushes you forward to want to you know, find out. Okay, am I missing something? Uh, did I miss where I had, like what I had to do? You know, uh, is there this new area where I can find other stuff? You know, because Hollow Knight is a game to where if you don't explore, you will get lost quick. You kind of have to explore in order to find everything in this game. And of course, like as you're going through it, you know, and as you defeat more bosses, the environments change, uh, objectives change, and you have to go into places that were safe before that are not safe now. And you have to kinda of like go through and go through it and you find other areas that you can explore that you couldn't get to before. You know, again, it's it's it, it it hits all the basic premises of a Metroidvania by today's definition standards. And it hits it out of the dang park. Like I love it. Um I feel yeah. bad that, you know, having owned the game for almost two years now, I haven't beaten it. But I can tell you that I would recommend this game Honestly, on the same level, I'd recommend Metro, uh, Super Metroid to anybody. Like, if you love Metroidvania style games, and you played Super, and you love Super, then Hollow Knight is going to be a a, a a exquisite experience of a Metroidvania. And that's the thing it's everybody like, should play.
0: I recently, replayed Super, obviously, being one of my childhood games, and I beat it swiftly here right before Dread came out, and loved every second of it. But and you showed me Hollow Knight, and I'm this close to maybe considering uh, downloading and playing it. But the concept of Metroidvania doesn't really sing to me, and I, I guess it might lead into to what we might want to talk about next. Is like it might be obvious from our choices, but like, what is our preferred genre? Because like I'm also I'm not a big fighter game player. I think I've said that before in an episode, of course. I like Mortal Kombat. Uh, I played a few other fighting games, but I'm not like Jay. Jay's a fucking fighting game player. He he knows the lingo. I don't. Uh, yeah. Uh,
2: so, can I? Yeah, hey, yeah, One more game before we move oh, on. Oh, yeah, please.
0: yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. So, before Seafood came out and basically took over my life, mm-hmm. uh, I was actually on a Pokemon
0: theme. I was about to say, weren't you on the whole Pokemon, the new one? Yeah.
2: So, um, late last year, Pokemon Brilliant Diamond and Shining Pearl came out, which is remakes of Gen 4 titles, uh, Diamond and Pearl, which I never played because I stopped at Gen 2 and then never really got back until... Alpha Sapphire or whatever. Um, so I never played these games. So in anticipation for that, I was like, I want to, I want to replay a Pokemon game, or I want to beat, I want to play a Pokemon game, basically. And I have Pokemon Moon on the 3DS, but I never beat it. So I restarted that, and I got like halfway through it, and then Brilliant Diamond came out, so I started playing that. And I was actually enjoying it. It's a weird art style because like they basically did the art style of the old games where it's like the chibi with the big head or whatever but they made it 3d and it's kind of weird especially when you have like cutscenes and stuff it's really weird but it's a fun game uh but i got like five gyms in and then pokemon legends rcs came out and that's the newest game that's like it's in the same it's open world
0: too right it's trying to do the it's open
2: world but it's like in the past so you're basically in that same uh region that brilliant diamond is in but you're in like i don't know i don't know what year it is or what it looks like it's like the edo i don't know it looks like it's like hundreds of years ago because it's like you're basically filling out the first pokedex of the region
0: hundreds of years ago
2: i don't know it looks old
0: i thought i just saw pictures of people dressed normally i mean so we're talking like in arceus maybe i'm looking at everybody's
2: kind of everybody's kind of dressed in like kimonos and stuff
0: really okay wow okay yeah that's interesting
2: and it's open world but it's not full open world you you basically fast travel to different regions that are open areas mm. so like you're in the village and then you go to the gate and it tells you it asks you do you want to go to this region this region or this region and you travel to that region and then you can explore this huge like area i got you and then if you want to go to another region you have to go to the edge of the map and then you know basically fast travel so it's like a proof of concept of what they want to Take the franchise forward. Otherwise, it's a pretty chill game because there's no gyms. You're not fighting to be the you know Pokemon master or anything like that. You're literally working with the professor to fill out the uh the Pokedex. And the way you do that is by you know you can you can capture Pokemon, or you can fight them, or you can basically just observe them.
0: That's cool. So so whatever you, your preference is, fighting or, or exploring.
2: Well, I mean, each Pokemon has a list of uh, kind of like objectives. And you basically need to do 10 points worth. So you could choose to capture them. You could choose to like just observe them. You could choose to fight them. There's different criterias. But you can do any combination of them. As long as you get 10 points of each of that Pokemon, then that, po- that Pokemon's Pokedex entry is complete. Okay. And you can go on to the next one. So you're kind of just encouraged to like explore around and learn about these Pokemon. That's cool. But you also like talk to people and, you know, do objectives and stuff. And uh, there is a story to it as well. Like you're, you are doing certain things and you're, there's a mystery of like how you ended up there. Cause you and all that. But, uh, it's really, is, it's is a it like fun Tekken Kazuya's
0: revenge where you wake up in a hotel room of, uh, amnesia? Oh, dear
2: God. <laughs> kind of. And a bunch of guys. <laughs> so become you kind of a fall DL. from a, you, you fall from a space time vortex kind of thing. Oh, wow. Damn. Okay. That's crazy. Um, the thing is like it looks it's a very different look to pokemon it doesn't look great mm. compared to the to the switch games it feels like a lot of stuff is left behind and it's stuff like if you're not if that doesn't bother you then it won't if as long as you if you you can get really sucked into this game this game is really good you can get sucked into the exploration the you know all that stuff but once in a while you're looking it's like man this place is kind of barren Like, there's not as many trees as you'd think there'd be. Uh, They're not as high fidelity. Because, like, the Switch is, like, how many? It's, like, five years old now? Older, maybe. I don't know. Yeah. No, it came out in 2017. Okay. For five years. (coughs) But when it came out, it it wasn't even the most powerful, you know, console
0: at that time. It wasn't. It wasn't. But look, at at Breath of the Wild and Mario Odyssey Look pretty awesome. that's,
2: That's what confuses me. Because like we have games that look amazing, like people point to those games. People point to like the Xeno... Uh, was it Xeno Chronicles? Yeah, Zeno Blade. Zeno Yeah, those games look amazing too on the Switch, but for some reason this one looks. It looks like something is lacking.
0: That tells me they just they just didn't put enough I, thought into it, or maybe they don't care because it's late in the late in the stage.
1: Like I like I have a theory about that, and and, and I want to preface this by saying it's a theory specifically on Pokemon games. Um. Pokemon, if you go all the way back to its like handheld origins, is by concept a world made of uh, smallish blocks. So you've got, you know, your characters going from is going in straight directions, either up, down, left, or right, and is making turns up, down, left, or right in a very sort of like square-like motion, and a lot of like the pockets of woods and grass that you can go into are also very blocky. It's basically a maze made out of overhead blocks because handheld era. That style of gameplay and world exploration has really translated itself and become sort of married to Pokemon's identity as the type of RPG and world exploration that it is. So when you're walking um, in an open world, you... Uh, by basically by virtue of the type of game that it is, is that you don't really get too much in the way of like going diagonals or going like up down or going like or like or exploring like worlds where you know you can climb rocks a certain way or climb trees a certain way because of just how detailed the world is. Everything feels. I think this is why it translates to why you you seem you may not think it looks too good because the concept of Pokemon is very, I guess, uh, objectified in terms of solid objects that you can either climb and then you're on top of it or, you know, you're running around it. So, for example, if you see... A block of trees that are just kind of cluttered in one area and they look like they're artificially cluttered they're not like spaced out like normal nature would be you can go around it you can go in it but you're either on top of it you're at the bottom of it or you're on the side of it you're not like in the middle of it in any way shape or form and the game doesn't cater to that to save on ram so they can make a better world does that kind of make sense the way i'm saying it
2: well the thing is is that this was an attempt to go past that cuz like they've been slowly doing that like with uh Sword and Shield which came out a couple of years ago um yeah it still has the uh if you look at the map it still has like this fill this town this town this town here and it they do they, they do look like squares but you can walk from one to the other in a free mode like there's free motion you can you can you know basically the the camera you can move around And you can move around freely in any direction. It's like a full on like third person type of game. So this one is even more so that like it doesn't have towns that are squares. I guess the only one is the the main village, which is basically your home hub. Everything else is kind of just like sprawling. It's like, yeah, it just feels like an open area. So it's a bit more freeing and you can also move the camera and you can walk around full 360. And I think there are ways that you can climb stuff later on that I'm told, but I haven't gotten there yet. So there's more freedom of movement in this game than ever before, I think. And I think this is like a, ste- a big step forward, but I think it has, it was also a proof to, of concept to see if it actually works and people want it. And people do because it sold, sold well. And now they just announced today, actually, the next generation, Gen 9 Pokemon games, Scarlet and Violet. Like, it literally just got announced today as a recording. Wow. Oh, shit. Sure. Yeah. And, okay. And it looks like it is the same engine and the same style, but it's in a modern setting. So, there are towns and villages and stuff that are in modern era. So, I'm wondering, I'm interested to see, like, where, how they improve on it. But also, I'm kind of worried because it's supposed to come out later this year, which is crazy because we just got Legends
0: RCS to the, uh, wow. last month. Uh, well, they're kind of using the same engine and everything, there's less work that needs to be done.
2: I guess, but it's still... It's still, like, that's a big game, and then they're releasing Gen 9, which is the next big game.
0: Yeah. So it's
2: kind of worrying. Maybe Ar. Maybe I'm hoping that... Maybe
1: Arzurus, um I, I apologize if I pronounced the uh, the name wrong, but maybe that's, like, a testing ground, because when you go back to, like, what was the... um What was the name of the game that was, like, I guess, essentially, like, the first open-world Pokemon game? Was it was it black and diamond or diamond and something right or something like that uh
2: open world yeah
1: like it i forget it and i and i apologize i forget the name um but it's the one i think it's sword, yeah, and, sword shield. and shield that's what it is so it's not diamond i'm thinking i'm thinking yeah. way more old school so sword and shield did not get good reviews just because it's it's open world, but it's not as open world as you would like it to be. You either have a town or you have an open world of trees and stuff that you basically explore in all, like, five minutes. It's essentially...
2: the wild area, yeah. It's yeah, it's
1: essentially, like, the worst that you can possibly have of a sandbox. But, you know, Pokémon, in terms of going into 3D open worlds, much like Legend of Zelda, it seems to be a game from its concept designed on this very thing. Like, Breath of the Wild, in my opinion, is probably, a, like, a more authentic Zelda game, to Zelda one more than anything else, because you have this open world that you can explore. Um, Pokemon, I feel like is the same way you run around in a world and you find Pokemon, you catch them and then you have them battle random Pokemon or gems or whatever. Um, so that it kind of caves itself to that, but I feel like it's still sort of like maturing and finding its niche identity for the type of style that Pokemon is. Cause I guess it's just one thing you can't have like, you know what I can't see I can't see Pokemon in, say, like, a world that is designed from the Unreal Engine a la Skyrim or a la, like, Morrowind or a la even Mass Effect. Like, I just can't see a world like that with Pokemon in it. But Pokemon, because it's owned by Nintendo, is going to create its own engine that deals with the world and the style of it in its own way. I think that's why it's, like, different because it's trying to cater to the you know maze square blocky world motions that pokemon tends to be like do i kind of i don't think i kind of make sense with that a little bit
2: i do but i don't think that's the direction they're trying to go especially with with legends Arceus, like it feels like they want to emphasize the exploration aspect of things which is really cool and i also think yeah pokemon has its own unique style i think as far as art direction art style goes i think Arceus is pretty cool I just think that they just needed to like put more into you know, like making the world feel alive which is something that I think you could do with the art style that they have refine it to make the fidelity more impressive that's the only thing I feel like they could push it they could push the switch to make Pokemon look amazing and I think I'm hoping that's what they do with Scarlet and Violet
0: Maybe maybe they are putting some some time into that. Now they got the engine, but I guess they got to they got to make a whole new world from scratch still, since it's modern era and they can't really reuse world assets except for environment. Yeah. That's gonna. Mm, yeah, the I mean, only thing they can really reuse is probably
2: the Pokemon in their animations. Yeah, naturally. What was the question that you were going to ask? I cut you off when I wanted to talk about Pokemon.
0: Me or Jay? You. Uh oh oh man yeah to to rewind uh, no I was just gonna say. <laughs> Well, I was gripe, I was basically saying how Jay, you know, was showing me Hollow Knight, and I'm interested. I'm like this close to getting it. And, you know, obviously I enjoy a couple of Vania's, but I'm not going to play a game that's a Metroidvania on principle Uh first. There's got to be something else that attracts me to it. Like, Metroid games I like for the atmosphere. Jay likes it for the exploration. All the games we kind of mentioned seem to be kind of like, around the genre of adventure-ish kind of you you know mm-hmm. yours is more fighting uh and basically what's our favorite genres like out of the three of us like what do we enjoy each of us the most in a video game
2: i would say action adventure mm-hmm. like action adventure third person game that's kind of my jam so like uncharted the spider-man games last of us games like Sifu yeah which is more just action games not really adventure action game. game yeah um but like yeah stuff like that where it's like i like third person games and i like them i like ones that have action and i also like ones that have that have a bit of an adventure story to it um that's kind of my main one um other than that i do like you know old school side scroller beat em up type games as well yeah uh like streets of rage i love that i love that game the streets of elite at least just rate 4. I love that
0: one. I think that's another one where it's like, I'll have to, there's got to be something that draws me into it because I'm not going to automatically play a beat 'em up never mind the fact that as a kid, I played King of the Monsters 2 and Alien vs. Predator, you know? But, yeah. But, but there were other lures to that, namely monsters. Yeah,
2: I love like, I What I like about Action adventures Adventure is that I get a little bit of both. I get, like, fast-paced action where I, you know, react and stuff like that, like, instead of, you know, turn-based things, which... I could do turn based for some stuff, but like, they don't, like, that's why I kind of don't get into Final Fantasy games because, it's like, it's a bit too slow for me. Even though, like, Pokemon is really slow, but it's a, I don't know, Pokemon is different. It's, I don't it's know, a little more streamlined
0: to where it's probably easier to get into.
2: Yeah. I like games that I can go around and, like, hack and slash, like, Dove May Cry. I love Dove May Cry games.
0: Yeah. See, like, I need to like try. That. Bayonetta, it's it's along the same lines. Yeah. Right? But I don't know if I'm gonna like it or not. Cause like, tell me what what do you think of, of uh, the what what do you fucking uh not Gauntlet? What is it called? The Dynasty Warriors types game. What what do you think of them?
2: I I've never played them. I played it once at a friend's house a long time ago. I've never actually gotten into those games, but they feel too. I don't know. Actually, I've never played it. I
0: tried Hyrule Warriors. I actually bought it and then fucking returned it, and then from a 3DS, and then I did try out the new one. I liked the idea of it. I was like, oh, man, just fight mobs of enemies. That's going to be great. And I don't know, it just felt, like, too simplistic to me. Just press A a bunch of times. There, There is a strategy in it. The, 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 the strategy in the game is about how you place your people. Like, you know, it is a war field, and you control more than one person. And I get that, and I guess if that were my jam, I'd get into it. But the actual combat itself... Feels so p- simplistic as mind numbing, and I'm worried that that's what the Devil May Cry and Bayonetta is like since I've never tried them. No, they're not. They're not? Okay.
2: Because the thing is, like, with Dynasty Warriors, and from what I just from an outsider's perspective, it feels like it's something where you're just kind of mowing through like a bunch of armies. Right. Like they all come at you at once, and you just kind of mow through them all multiple ways. It Devil May Cry is not like that. Like, Devil May Cry is like their you go through different levels and like like concentrated stages you do fight enemies but it's 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 a bit more complicated would you say that's like doom
0: 2016 where the battle itself is almost a puzzle or am i over over
2: mm, guessing it's not as involved as that sometimes sometimes it is just like clearing out a room um but there is a level of exploration because you got to get this item to open this door and this thing and that thing like there's a bit of that as well. Mm, but the like fighting that. mechanic, there is, you know, you gain abilities as you go through the level. You get new weapons that you can use and you get new abilities with those weapons. And you do, like... It's not as many, many enemies coming at you as they are in, like, a Dynasty Warriors game. Mm, okay. Uh, but you can definitely... It, it also has, like, a, a combo system where you, the better you do, the higher score you get or whatever. At least for the Devil May Cry games. So I think I think it has a very fun and interesting fighting system Yeah, it's fun I'll
0: give i give it a try I, i've been on the fence about trying out bayonetta since it's on switch now
2: i streamed it to you before you did yeah you uh you sure? all of us were there with elliot and we played i was playing devil May Cry. bullshit three i think no i must have not been there i think you were there i thought you were
0: i don't remember man uh hmm. really hmm. i'll just show you sometime yeah show me sometime i'll take a look at it uh but yeah, like my
2: main thing is like I like I like action. I like games that have like good action, but also like a main story.
0: Yeah, that I, they go through like a narrative. I like those. That's important to me too. Or, or a sense
1: of adventure. Yeah, I think I think for me, my absolute two favorite types of games um, is one. My first and number one love before anything else is I was going to be fighting games. I've been playing fighting games since yeah. I was a kid. I I played a lot. I love them, and I think what I love about them is that I love. I love the paper, rock, scissors, chess aspect of it when you play with a friend. I don't so much really play fighting games with a story narrative, though some of them do actually have good stories. But what I love is that is that I love I love the challenge of playing someone who's better than me or worse than me, and then I can get a good fight. You really are having a, a mental chess battle with someone when you're playing fighting games and I think that's what I really actually personally enjoy about it because there's some good social interaction and some good bonding for it. If I had to choose a game where it's just me playing against you know the AI or the NPC or whatever then yeah I'm probably going to choose turn-based RPGs just because there's a lot of cool things you can do like depending on this um, whichever game you want. There's areas to explore, there's finding out aspects of story that could be good there is you know things like crafting uh, there's weapons making there is you know of course leveling up your stats and then basically just you know gaining more power so it, you know you kind of feel rewarding because it's a good time investment um, you know and I've played a whole bunch of these too between like Mass Effect and Final Fantasy and Dragon Quest and then th- you know and other RPGs um, that have you know that have existed throughout. I even consider Pokemon Pokemon is kind of its own thing but Pokemon really at its core is an RPG. It's just a Japanese RPG for yeah. kids. That's all it is. Um, but it, because it has so many of this, the exact same mechanics of the JRPG. Play
0: SMT like fucking grown man. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> But um, I can, I can. But I feel, but I feel like RPGs and fighting games are sort of like my jam. I do like some shooters. Like I love Doom and Doom Eternal. Like Doom 2016 and Doom Eternal are freaking great. I love them. They are like they're just fun all around. Like shoot 'em up like types of games. But I can't really say that like I'm addicted to that genre. Like I'm not see, I'm not here simping to play the next Halo game or the next like Gears of War or whatever. <laughs> like that type of stuff. They're completely different, different
0: animals though. Admittedly, too, right? I- well,
1: I
2: okay, hold on. I kind of am too, like to a degree. I kind of like I do like first-person shooters. Like, I played the new Halo like at the end of the year, and I was really loving that. Um, I a couple years ago, I really got into like Rainbow Six Siege, which is a first-person shooter. I love PUBG. I play Fortnite regularly, so I do like shooters. I think shooters is also like if I had to choose three genres, it would be action-adventure, fighting game, and then shooters. But Shooters is not,
0: like, my main one. I kind of feel the same way. Because I'll have some things yeah. to say about old Doom and new Doom here in a bit. But... <laughs> mm.
1: Also, I, like, in its own category, because I don't know, like, what it would fall into, is Resident Evil games. I have a weird, like, sort of bond with Resident Evil games. Because, as Josh can tell you, I've played Resident survival horror uh, yeah it's like i the, mean
0: i i would call it an action adventure but the subgenre is survival yeah, horror but, but you know it's yeah, an action adventure. i've played
1: know? other survival horror games like i've played silent hill and silent hill i feel like on concept and on paper is better than resident evil in terms of horror aspect but i never liked it as much as resident evil because i love the idea of the the unique combination of action puzzles you know uh, it's like, an item management, yeah, man. item management, ammo management, and then basically taking that to the level of like advancing through whatever world that you're in, you know. And it's why I like games like Resident Evil Remake, and why I love it so much. Resident Evil Four, Resident Evil Five, Resident Evil Two Remake, regular Resident Evil Two, because Josh and I have played both, and I can say I tend to love both. Um, you know, it's almost like this weird melding of like RPG action adventure. But instead of like you leveling up your stats, you basically just like item manage everything and move it from place to place while you just survive whatever onslaught is trying to get you. And I feel like Resident Evil is very unique in what it does in that realm. Like no other game does what Resident Evil does, in my opinion. And if they do, they fail at it compared to what Resident Evil does.
2: What genre is Puzzle and dragons?
1: That would be mo- that would be mobile puzzling game. You know what? Like if Candy Crush <laughs> be called had a classical, if, if, if Candy Crush gotcha. had a genre, it would be that. And <laughs> it's yeah, the cash yeah. grab. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah, and yeah, I do play. Like for all those out there, I can totally issue my friend code at some point. But I do play pad. <laughs> I do play. Pad I like out. how you
0: just added. You just outed Jay as a, as a pad player. <laughs> <laughs> I had
1: to. <laughs> I don't mind i like
2: (laughs) i mean that's a big game yeah
1: Yeah, um, like i am currently for any for any of you pad players out there listening i am rank 992 and i've been playing pad for six years so (laughs) there you go i can't say that i don't dislike the game i do actually love the game um it's a great time killer
2: it'd be weird if you like didn't like the game say what (laughs) It'd be weird if you didn't like the game of your rank 992. Yeah, well, it's so either it's that
1: just a or, I play Souls, or I play Settlers of Catan on my phone all day, and I can't do that because that...
0: Oh, yeah, you, oh, right. you used to play that. Yeah, yeah until,
1: like, until Pad, I was playing...
0: Yeah, you're annoyingly, yeah, good, at
1: annoyingly good at Yeah, I am annoyingly good at Settlers of Catan. It's a board game, and you know why? Because that is resource management. So any game that forces you to manage resources, whatever it may be, it could be item management, it could be, you know, like, uh, um, health management, it could be um you know uh, a resource management any game like that i tend to like like uh, until until world of warcraft exploded into this massive monster of a thing that i honestly really can't get into because i actually like to have a sense of reality rather than being sucked into a game i very much enjoyed the old school blizzard games like i played warcraft 1 2 um and I also played like StarCraft and even like some Diablo back in the day, back when they were self-contained games that basically had an ending. Nowadays, I can't play World of Warcraft. It's a game that has no end. It's too much. Like, I, I can't get into that. I'll, my life will be ruined. I won't do anything, and I'll just be a husk of a man who sits in his basement and plays video games all day when I'm not working. I, yeah. I don't want to be that.
2: You should you have helped. helped me with resource management and mythologies.
1: <laughs> well you need to actually collect yeah. resources which the game actually doesn't have a lot of. <laughs> So, uh, very and good the picture. bosses like and the bosses kill you in one hit or they do dirty things like kick you and you fly off the cliff and die and I'm just like well what resource yeah. management what are you going to do Phoenix down yourself from the end of the pit <laughs> so
2: yeah. No nope. uh Josh, what's your what's your uh genre of choice?
0: Well, I
1: think definitely
0: definitely it probably more lines of view, like definitely action adventure, 'cause uh I mean, you've said before, it seems like my, my two my two franchises are Zelda and Resident Evil. Oh. And they share a lot of similarities. So I guess that's just I, I like being thrown into adventure. Uh however, story isn't really important. You gotta at least have some semblance, I guess, of a story to to drive you through, but it's not there's never going to be a video game story that is as captivating or as complicated as, you know, like uh, a piece of cinema or a great piece of literature. And, and maybe I'm being disingenuous. I'm being disingenuous because there have like been that. some, but a lot it's also a different shit. medium. But it's also not important uh, to quote John Carmack of Doom fame. He had said long ago that, uh, story in, you know, this is before we have Norman Reedus and people in video games, but he said story in a video game is like a story in a porno. Uh, you know, it's like not needed. It's okay if it's there, but it's not needed. And playing recently the original Doom again, I gotta say, goddamn, if he ain't right. Cause, uh, and this brings up, uh, first person shooters. Cause I don't know why I got in a Doom kick again and i just bought the the re-release and i played it and i think you guys might remember me remember me gushing about it a year or two ago is like i got yeah. soaked in i i only ever played the for shareware version as a kid and but yeah. playing it the whole thing now i just got there's a level of progression in it the level design is masterful and that was the whole point of them building the game is that you know they have te- you know different people that design the levels and that was the main focus of designing these you know very intricate levels and unlike doom 2016 you know it is it is a key hunt game but and there's no fucking story i mean doom 2016 jokingly has no story too except it does you know doom eternal does but like literally your only story here is a thing in a manual and then a little splash screen when you beat like a chapter doom Old school Doom is anyone that downplays its ranking as far as a great video game and says, oh, you just like it because it's old. They don't know what the fuck they're talking about. It is one of the most perfect games ever. Uh, but I don't like first-person shooters that much because I was actually hesitant about picking it back up. I was like, ah, I'm not really big on first-person shooters. As a kid, of course, I played Goldeneye, and everyone loves Goldeneye, and I can't wait to that's re-released because I don't own it. Uh, I played Duke Nukem. I played a little bit of Wolfenstein. I never played Quake as a kid. I'm playing it a little bit now since it's also re-released, but I'm not really big on the first-person shooter genre. Uh but the Doom Twenties Oh, no. What were you going to say? I was going I wanted to
2: talk uh, go back about the story. You know, story is not important in video games. I I mean, I obviously like when you talk about video games, like gameplay is number 1. You got to get
0: gameplay number 1. Absolutely. Like, it has to be fun to play. That's why SMT is so good because it has amazing gameplay a lot of smt fans said the story sucks compared to like four and you know to me it's just like I'm, it's there it, it motivates you forward but go ahead but i
2: feel like in the past like 15 20 years like the genre the video games as a whole has like pushed you know story a lot and it's gotten really good in the last like 10 15 years or so As as much as everybody you know talks about halo being you know the one of the biggest shooters of all time and, you know, multiplayer and this and this and that. It actually has a pretty compelling story. Hmm. Like when you play the campaign ones. Same with like, I've only played one uh Gears of War game, which is Gears of War 5, but it had a it had, it had an interesting story. I wouldn't say it's the best story, but I mean, I feel like games like Naughty Dog stuff, like Uncharted, Last of Us, like Last of Us has probably some of the best storytelling in video games that I've seen.
0: Right, yeah. It's, it's very heralded. Yeah,
2: exactly. Um Stuff like that is like, They're pushing narrative a
0: lot in games. I will agree with you, but I'm going to take a different turn of it. Because, yeah, gaming has evolved and gotten more uh, sophisticated. And and two examples of storytelling in gaming that, in my opinion, are great examples is a game trying to get you to play. But I think you're, you're, you're more inclined towards Ocarina is Majora's Mask. Uh, And and a little game called Yumi... uh, I don't know how to fuck pronounce it. Yumi Nikki, Dream Journal. I'm sure you've heard about it by now. It's pretty mainstream at this point. Oh, shit, dude. Um, That was an indie game. Both of those, basically, the story is in the subtext. Part of why I like Majora's Mask is because you're wandering around, you're talking to NPCs, and there's the majority of the content, unlike normal Zelda games, is in the side quests. And, and okay. little things and like the world's ending and you could find yourself in an area you might not have to be in and discover somebody cowering or like there, there's a story about the two sisters in the farm that, you know, you don't get to meet them until the third day uh, until you figure out a way to to enter the farm on the first day and then solve their problem. Uh, but right. you can also be at their farm at night on the eve of the apocalypse and the older sister is talking about giving uh, what's understood to be an alcoholic drink to the younger sister. So she, you know, dulls her senses before the fucking end comes. And just like, oh, wow. there's also like one of the first characters you meet, apparently, is the dead son of somebody you meet later. And the game doesn't explicitly state it. Uh It's just like shit like that. Like, it doesn't tell you the story, but the story unfolds by you playing the game and exploring. And, and Yumi Nikki is... Bucking addicting game when I played it. It's basically, uh, you play this shut-in girl, Hikikimori, and you go to bed, and it's not explicit. You wake up in your apartment, but it quickly is a dream world, and it's a very nonsensical... Outside of Nightmare on Elm Street, it's the only type of media that's, to me, accurately depicted what dreams are like. Uh, it's mm. not a very good game. Uh, it's very confusing. There is a There is a logical placement to the map, like you could draw out the map and people have, but without looking at a map it doesn't make fucking, you're just going from one area to the other, but there's subtext in there that hints towards something traumatic that might have happened in this character's life that's got people to debate about all sorts of things, like what happened to her, it was like violent imagery, mm-hmm. sexual imagery, and I won't spoil the ending, it, it, There, there are goals, you eventually collect a bunch of items and if you do, you can go to an area and get the Quote unquote ending, but the ending ain't nice. Uh, and it, it kind of makes people ask more questions. So, those two games, I spoke a little demeaningly just, you know, a few minutes ago about stories and video games, but that, those two are to me examples of how you do storytelling in a game. It's by making, not by making me sit through a fucking hour long cutscene or a cutscene. That's, that's, that's low effort. Make, tell the story through the game. And I think if you can, If you can, then that is the height of how storytelling can be done in games. That's what a a story-based game should be like. Because I'm playing a game, I'm not watching a movie, I'm not reading a book. I get that,
2: but I, I, as someone who at one point wanted to be wanted to get into animation in video games, I've always been fascinated with cutscenes in games, especially, especially the ones that they do now where they're like in in engine. Yeah, that's kind of
0: cool. in, In engine.
2: Like if it's in an edge and it cuts to a scene where people are talking and there's motion capture and this, and this like that's really fascinating to me seeing how close they get to reality. It's really cool. Um, but I definitely do see like game, like storytelling through video through gaming is really, is really cool too. Like that's why I think Jay would probably like Bloodborne because I don't know if there's really that many cutscenes scenes in that game. You kind of just go through and learn about the world through the environment and through, like, notes and stuff that people leave behind, you kind of just learn, you just, you learn about the story with exploration. It's
1: kind
0: of like Resident Evil or, or Metroid Prime, it's, yeah. It's
1: um, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. weird, but, like I like, I kind of mirror what you guys actually kind of say. Like, I've always had the take on video games in general to where, like, when you're making a video game, the gameplay of your game should always be the focus of anything before story. Like gameplay before anything else. Like no one is really asking the question, "What is the story of Monopoly? What is the story of Stairs Su- <laughs> and Ladders? What is the story of Poker?" I mean, like no one, no one really cares about the story behind this stuff about what you're trying to achieve. The like Stories thing
2: is that. Yeah, but still, the capital, <laughs> all the like, story. The
1: capitalism is a broad subject, at least of Monopoly. But like if like the story of selves of Catan, or even like poker, no one cares about that. They, they, all they care about is that they get to play the game, and then when they play the game, they get to make up their own story. This is actually why I love fighting games as much as I do, because most fighting games, just to kind of preface it, really have a crappy-ass story. It's usually a simple revenge arc story, or a hero's journey, or a wanderer, or a roni you know, like, you know, journey of some type. And it's just two people, you know, like throwing fists. Like, that's all they're doing. But the chess match or the paper rock scissor aspect of it is what I like because the decisions that you make, you know, in that fleeting moment, determine whether you win or... Or lose, and that is exciting because you're investing your time in a decision, uh, and you're hoping for the best outcome, and that may or may not actually pan out. RPGs is kind of the same way. If they're turn-based, you're making a decision to attack, to heal, to cast a spell, to summon something, whatever it may be, and then you get to find out if this is good or if this is bad. But you know, the actual story about why you're fighting X thing or doing X quest may not even matter too much. You don't care. You're investing your time into something. In Resident Evil, there is a story to it, but you know, the idea is, first and foremost, hey, you're a normal Joe Schmo with a bad haircut, like Leon Kennedy, and you're just you're just hey. like, stuck <laughs> in it, and you have to figure it out, so you're just sort of just basically surviving. You don't care about Wesker, Umbrella, so you don't care about anything. Well, you're just trying to survive. That's all you're trying to do.
0: I find it funny that you you bring up fighting games too when when we've heralded Mortal Kombat as having the best lore. It does though. (laughs) It does have great lore, (laughs) but at the end of the day, do I really care about, oh my god, uh, well, here's somebody double cross somebody else. It's like soap opera shit, but we're going to say. Well,
2: here's the thing. It's like, I feel like there's like two, I mean, there's multiple types of games, but the main things that I see is like, there's games that are focused on gameplay and there's games that have a story element, a story focus. So, like, you can do both.
0: Yeah. But I will like, say, like, because of... Hmm? Uh, okay, to, to, to highlight, too, uh, another point I wanted to bring up is like what I look for in games with, with adventure games and Resident Evil and Zelda being my favorite genre and, and franchises. I still am going for the gameplay because, like, Zelda, Zelda's yeah. not, the story in Zelda ain't fucking special, dude. And, you know, there are people that obsess about the lore and have the high-roll story <clears throat> like me, but, yeah. um, But, you know, Nintendo doesn't care as much about the story as the fans do. It's just a fucking framework of medieval fantasy, and a story has evolved over, you know, the 20, 30 years that the franchise has existed. But you know what? I mean, there are some great moments in Ocarina, and I'm so sorry I spoiled the chic thing for you before you ever played it. I I honestly do feel bad about that. Um But you know what, when I played the game, that was a surprise. I don't know if I was suspecting it or not. I was like, oh shit, oh wow. I won't say it here because I'll bleep it out, but I'm pretty sure everyone fucking <laughs> knows who Sheik is. Um I think I was the last person. You're probably the last world. person in the world. Like That's why I, yeah. I didn't think saying it, because that's like trying to hide Darth Vader being Luke's... everyone knows people that.
2: People who were born after I found that out.
0: Yeah, really I mean, yeah, there are people that didn't grow up with yeah. Star Wars now, so maybe it'll be a surprise, but it's so ingrained into our culture. It's like you know, the, the yeah. it's a Mandela oh. effect thing now, too. The Luke, I am your father. You heard about that. Yeah, I won't yeah. to go too far off left field. But anyway, okay, so I had moments like, oh shit, she. But largely, when I'm playing even Ocarina, the biggest draw for me is just exploring the world and sometimes making up my own headcanon as I go. Uh, Jay, that's right. why you might like uh, Etrian Odyssey, because uh, it is an RPG, it is a full dedicated turn based, you know, there's strategy in it. As the games evolved, they did add more of a story, but largely the characters are blank slate. You're encouraged to add your own head and stuff, and they leave stuff like voices and everything else out, except for the last two games. They kind of started to to make it more like uh, beginner friendly. But point is, like, there's a story in Zelda, but to me, it's less important than just fucking exploring, which is why Breath of the Wild is so great. Yeah. Even the story that's there. To me, it's like it's not a groundbreaking tale. It's just literally there to at least emotionally propel me through the story. Uh, and like, yeah, the only times that I felt like gaming has approached pure storytelling and art, and there's lots of games I haven't played, so I'll put my foot in my mouth, but are Majora's Mask and, and Yumi Nikki, and that's because I feel video gaming... Video game stories should be experienced as you play it. If you're, if you're just doing a cutscene or doing a, a journal to read, then that's low effort. However, like, cause cutscenes used to be, it was a reward. Oh, here's a cool cutscene at the beginning of the game to get you jazzed. Yeah. Or, oh, I beat this level. Here's a cool cutscene. But now right. they're for really big story based games. They're essential and they're also long. And for me, I get fucking frustrated when I'm not pressing buttons. You know,
2: <laughs> I've never had that. I have. Uh, but I also kind of grew up on Metal Gear Solid games, which are known for that. Yeah, yeah. So I just kind of get sucked in. I'm like, I'm just into it. Like, I don't know. It's, it's, I've never understood the complaint of like. Really? Yeah, when they get, when they get like two and a half, like.
0: Didn't Kojima fucking end a game of like an hour and a half long end credits, like, or, or fucking. That's excessive. Yeah.
2: yeah. I, yeah, I, that's excessive. But games that like. I always go back to Uncharted. Uncharted has a lot of cutscenes, but they're not
0: that long of a cutscene. If they're not that long, I'm, I can forget it, yeah.
2: Like, at the most... At the most, they'd probably be ten minutes.
0: It's like, I did watch the beginning of uh, the Bayonetta 2 opening. Yeah. it's cool, but... Uh, you can edit this out, uh, but Bayonetta also shows up naked in there, which is incredibly surprising for a fucking Nintendo game. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, uh... It's got to be 20 minutes long. I'm probably exaggerating, but I just felt like, okay, if I were playing this game, I'd be like, okay, I want to fucking start the game. Well,
2: I've always thought it being like kind of a breather, especially when it's games like Devil May Cry. Well, if it's the beginning of the game, though, it's like, I want to get started. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, I get that. But I'm saying like in the game, like you get through an intense battle or whatever, and then you get to a cutscene. It's like, okay, cool. I can take a breather. Taking the story, I get and that, get back into the and I game.
0: love that in Resident Evil, where it's like I just got through a bad area, and whew, yeah. all right, now Leon's gonna talk to Ada, and they're gonna, you know, plan yeah, something. That's the kind that I like, and they're usually quick. Or sometimes they do serve not just the story; they do influence the gameplay. Like Resident yeah. Evil One, in both the original and the remake, when you leave the guardhouse and you come back to the mansion, the second you start to open the door, it plays a cutscene of the hunter from its POV leaping from wherever it was hiding and running to exactly your spot and that is perfect because that makes you go oh fuck and yeah that, that's great that is how fmb should be right
2: so yeah switching the gears a bit um we've talked about a lot of games and we had a lot of cool discussions about it um but what about like movies and tv shows like what are we watching like what have we finished what we are looking forward to
1: so, uh, so I uh, one thing I do every single Tuesday, just because my local theater does half off all movies every single Tuesday. So every Tuesday I go and I watch a movie of some type, even if I have even if I know not, uh, nothing about it. Um, so recently I watched a movie called Dog, which is a very tongue in cheek man and his dog kind of movie. If you've seen any adventure of a boy and his dog or a man and his dog this is pretty much like the same flair but i very much liked it i thought it was good i've also been watching um other movies that have been out that are probably not well that are not well known like licorice pizza which is worth watching but it's interesting it's basically a movie about two kids falling in love with each other through their misadventures in the 1970s in la which is Weird, but this is Wes Anderson, right? Yeah, oh, wait, no, that's yeah, French yeah, which is so. weird, but they do it, but they but they do it in a kind of clever way. It's not like these two get closer throughout the whole movie, it's just that they they have adventures together, they have uh uh entrepreneur expedites, as it were, where like one does something to make money and the other does something to make money, and they kind of end up rivaling each other as a result of this, and then they just kind of come together and try to make it work. This happens like four or five times throughout the movie, but it's actually not bad. And then, of course, watching other, like, smallish movies here and there. I'm probably going to go watch Death of the Nile at some point on Tuesday with Gal Gadot, just to see how that is. But also, on top of that, show-wise, I'm, like, admittedly, I think lately, I've been on an anime kick, and I've just been watching a whole bunch of different anime, like, um... Uh, I was watching live action wise, like obviously, like I'm a big Cobra Kai fan. So I was watching that. That's a great freaking <sighs> show. If no one has ever watched that. Dude, that oh, was so, so good. good. <laughs> um, and then i am also watched, I was watching Doom Patrol, uh, which is part of the DC Universe mm. on HBO Max. Doom Patrol's really good. Um, I'm a big fan of Doom Patrol. Um, and that just like basically emo superhero storytelling aspect. So I really like that. But anime wise, dude, I have just been all in on freaking Demon Slayer. Demon Slayer is so good. Oh god, catch up it's on so that. good. Um that show, I'm also watching Digimon Ghost Game. Um, I am a bit of a Digimon fan. Ooh, uh, yeah. that like that anime yeah. is not anything like particularly like crazy, but in terms of Digimon, it is um it's better. It's better than the reboot show that actually came out. Um I've also been watching yeah. uh, um, Warrior again. Um, you seen I know you got me onto that show and that show's great um, nice. because it's basically like a, a reimagining of what Bruce Lee would have done with a television show had he got his way back in the 70s and I kind of love it because it's neat. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. uh, so that uh, so that show's good i've also been watching like occasionally i dive into like the disney plus shows like um i've started watching hawkeye but uh, like i'm not like it doesn't really it's not really holding my interest too much but i've only actually seen one episode just the first episode didn't hold hold much weight for me
2: i liked it i like i i thought the show was fun and but i also am like an mcu fan so i
1: yeah, I, I'm kind of like still in the MCU, but I'm just sitting here waiting for something to truly excite me again. Because lately, a lot of the stuff is worthy of watching, but I'm not like super excited about it. I was half excited about WandaVision. Bucky and the Winter Soldier, um, or Falcon and the Winter Soldier, was, uh, was good. Um, I, like, I actually did enjoy that. Loki didn't really do much for me, but I did like the, uh, you know, the variant stuff that they did. I thought that was cool. And I watched like one episode of What If? Um, the, and it was the only one I was remotely interested in, which was the zombie episode. And then I watched, and then as of now I've watched one episode of Hawkeye and honestly that's kind of it. Um, I really haven't done much else with MCU. So, so my, my star with MCU is kind of fading, but that being said, I freaking loved... Spider Man No Way Home. That movie is so dang good. It made me so freaking happy for no reason.
2: Uh, still yeah. haven't seen it.
1: And I know Josh seen seen you haven't seen it. I will not spoil anything in that movie, but I am so happy. Uh,
0: the internet has spoiled everything, almost
2: everything.
1: I mean,
0: yeah, it's like, it's hard to. Jay always wonders how the fuck I end up spoiling shit for me. And it's just like, I guess if you just don't go on forums, you're fine. But, you know, I'm. I get you know oh I'm gonna I'm, I got I'm taking a shit I got I want to I want to go see it. whoops there we go I just found out that uh, Han Solo dies uh but <laughs> we really uh we, we should fucking
2: no I'm gonna get it I'm gonna get it when it comes out in digital which is supposed to be uh I think. Mid, middle of next month? Yeah, let's like
0: let's 22nd? fucking do a movie night. Yeah. I mean, fuck it, dude. I'll pirate it and then you buy it anyway and I'll buy an extra copy. Dude, I don't want to like, see dude, it. if
1: we do that, I will watch the ever-living hell out of that movie again with both of you because, like, that, ah, oh, God. So I, 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 like, because, I mean, granted, most of the audiences are going to know this, but see, and Josh know my... I guess, picky gripes with MCU Spider-Man that I've had. We've had, like, you seem seen that, especially yep. have had yep. arguments had over have had
0: long discussions about that where I usually just stop tuning it out and I just really and, and, <laughs> and guess
1: what? Spider-Man No One Home fixes everything. I'm a happy man. I have no gripes. I have no complaints. Like, I walk away and I'm like...
2: I can't wait to see it, but it's just, it's so much of the movie has been, like, well, a lot of the main stuff has been shown. Did you me. know that anything, that,
0: uh... But fucking toby McGuire is back? LOL. Right. I mean, LOL. I mean, that's all I know. I haven't looked up anything past that. It's like, of course, everyone's back. So, you know.
2: Yeah, everybody's back. But it's like, it's frustrating when, like, the actors spoil it for you, like, the weekend after. It's like, everybody knew. They expect like, you're going to see it, it opening day. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I still want to see it. It's just the fact that it's been so long since it came out now. Yeah. It feels like it anyway.
0: Well, hopefully that means people are stopping talking about it and they're moving on to the next new thing
2: nope because no? they posted a, that you know spider-man meme when they're all
0: pointing at each other yeah but that wasn't a spoiler
2: i know but it's like freaking
0: you knew they were all three gonna it. be in it and that that just was a cute yeah, meme. that that was perfect to see
2: i get it <coughs> but then they're show, but then they're like posting you know clips of like you know behind the scenes and like showing certain scenes it's like oh, come on just don't I want to see the movie.
0: Yeah, kind of like how I finally saw the clip, uh, Ghostbusters, which I was only mildly curious about seeing, to see that they, they, they put uh, the ghost of Norman Reedus in it. No, no fuck. Norman Reedus. What the fuck? Harold <laughs> Remus. They did? Dude, you didn't see that? Yeah, spoilers. Yeah, uh, no. it's... I mean, I don't really... I don't, I'm don't. i not really a big... I'm not super attached to the Ghostbusters, though. but yeah, I got nostalgia. Uh, I
2: didn't think they would do that. I thought they would be like... Respectful? If, if something they, they wouldn't show, yeah.
0: He, they're... Okay, like, as far as tributing uh, dead actors, Fast and Furious sets the bar as far as classy make-you-fucking-cry yeah. ways to do it, right?
2: And also, every time they've mentioned him, they only mention
0: him. They never show right. him. Right. And the, the way they ended fucking uh, 9 with just this car pulling up, cut to black. Damn. Oh, I, yeah, right? Yeah. Obviously, the Ghostbusters wasn't as respectful as that, but they still... I had co who saw it and said, you're not going to be a dried, fucking eye in the house, man. Go see it. it,
1: it like, it is. I, I, I saw Ghostbusters Afterlife, and yeah, like, their tribute to Held Ramis was really, really well His
0: character's granddaughter or something is one of the main characters, and he... And they don't have his ghost speak, so that's where it's still... It's not tacky. It, they keep it within a line, but he comes out to guide her hand and then he steps up next to the other guys and they do a double take. It's like, whoa, you're here. Really? But still it's kinda cringe. It's kinda it's kinda no offense, Marvel movie cringe to me. It's the moment you're supposed to clap at. Yeah. Back.
1: And Josh is not wrong, but that doesn't mean it wasn't like authentic with love for the actual human being. And oh, yeah. and like and it is there. The only thing about it that and this is just my own take on it, like uh, Ghostbusters Afterlife in my opinion is a good movie. But it's so married, like so married to the original movie. It feels more like you know the side quest that we didn't resolve, you know, as opposed to its own movie. Plus, with rolling out
0: these actors that that looked really old as fuck and they're still wearing their yeah. original uniform. It's cringe like, and,
1: like, and they all get together. They all fire. They all fire their proton blasters. They all say their old classic lines. They always, you know. It, it, it's cool, but it is very like fan, nostalgic, wanky. And it's so much so That's that it... so it's, tiresome at this point. <laughs> it's so much so that it sort of separates itself from what its own movie it's trying to be. Because the actual Ghostbusters Afterlife characters that are not the original cast is actually good. Like, they've actually got some good people in there doing some good things. It's just that they've married the story so close to the original movie that the movie itself comes off more as a side quest afterlife sequel to the original movie rather than a opening for its own thing and that's my mm-hmm. that's really my only problem with it but harold Ramis as a tribute was done extremely well and 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 honestly i i don't even have that much attachment to ghostbusters i teared up i teared up with that because i could feel the love for this particular human being in this movie oh,
0: i think you're just easy
1: well
2: here's the thing it's like <laughs> it's not like i want to you know be like oh poor studio or poor whatever but it's like they kind of can't win because they had the 2016 Ghostbusters movie I mean there was like uh I guess a line or something about how it was like 30 years after or whatever tried to do something different and that didn't work so then they have to go back to the originals and make something that's married to that and then people still complain about that so it's like what do they do it's kind of like what the Star Wars thing yeah if you do something the same, they complain. If you do something different, they complain why it's not
0: the same? Hey, I, then you I, do got, something I got I got solution again, and then people complain. How about just what? N- not make any more Ghostbusters or Star Wars movies. <laughs> yeah, that's that's that. Yeah. <laughs> no, make the next for Ghostbusters, sure. make Yeah, do something new. Yeah, but, for sure. But then again, that's a hard road because look at Pacific Rim. Amazing movie. Has, uh, man, has I'm sorry yeah hey at least it, it, it must have got enough influence to make a sequel but now we're never getting any Pacific Rim well you got you yeah got but your we're getting game.
2: a bunch of we're getting like animated yeah
0: that's right, right, right. yeah actually, you got your animated show but it's like yeah. man we could have got a Pacific Rim 2 Del Toro but it's like the the, the problem with that movie is that they they market I thought the trailer was effective enough but the reason people didn't come out for it is because reportedly they didn't know what it was and it's like well what the fuck it's giant robots Go see it.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um Josh, what do you what do you uh,
0: Yeah, Did Jay say everything he needed? Do we all get our turn?
1: I got all my right. turn. I like I've said my piece. Okay. I haven't. It, well, you want to go or
0: Yeah, I can go. Yeah, ca- yeah go all ahead. and Go. I'll let you go. I cut in enough as it is sometimes.
2: <laughs> um as far as like Disney Plus stuff, I watched The Book of Boba Fett. All right, yeah. Which a lot of people didn't like. It's weird, man. I I enjoyed it because people don't like the first handful of episodes because they're slow and. But this, it's telling the story of you know Boba Fett after the Sarlacc pit.
0: Which I'm, I'm sorry. It's giving him. I'm just I'm huh? just gonna cut in. That's fucking stupid. He died, man. He died. Was, just accept it. He died. He, didn't, he, didn't. he died in the Sarlacc pit.
2: <laughs> Which uh, yeah, you can say like, oh, that's just the milking or whatever, yeah. but which yeah i've never cared about boba fett but disregarding that <laughs> they give they give him a, they give him a, like a journey of you know seeing him go from being like a bounty hunter to being someone who is loyal to his tribe kind of a thing and it's a, i've thought it's like a cool way to humanize a character that wasn't that was basically just a mask and, a suit. and that's
0: stuff they kind of developed in the mandalorian right which i have not seen but you kind of told me about well it. the
2: mandalorian is a different character
0: i know that but they developed the idea of the tribe right Yeah, but this is a different thing. But yeah. Okay. I mean. I know jack shit about like Spanish universe. Any of that shit. But the way
2: that I see it now, as far as like how the, you know, Star Wars fans have reacted, the Mandalorian is what people wanted Boba Fett to be. Huh. Because he's still mysterious, but he,
0: you see, you know, his character growth. The Mandalorian is what they wanted Boba Fett to be? Or you mean the the current Boba Fett, Book of Boba Fett? No,
2: I think a lot of, there's a lot of
0: fans who don't like what they did with when you Bola humanize them, it takes Bola away Fett. the mystique. Yeah, I get you. I get. I. But they I also feel
2: it. like it's done. It's not the best show. It's definitely a slow paced show. There's a lot of flashbacks and stuff, and you kind of want to. You want them to be in the present a lot, but they could do a lot of backs, back flashbacks to you know show his character growth or whatever. Which I thought was cool because I never cared about Boba Fett, but I feel like a lot of people wanted to wanted Boba Fett to be what the mandalorian is now it's like he's still mysterious but he's got a cool story and character and everybody is waiting for season three of mandalorian because he's so cool i think that's what people wanted boba fett to be so i think now the mandalorian is the new boba fett but better done
0: interesting you know i might get around to watching these at some point
2: i'd say watch mandalorian Mm -hmm. because mandalorian it's it's a pretty fun show i think but yeah i watched that peacemaker is another show that i watched on disney uh, on um, hbo max and holy crap i don't know if you watched it jay
1: not yet but i hear it's good
2: it's so good man and john cena man that dude is an actor he can act
1: i will ask how do, how do they
0: make a peacemaker show with him as the main character when we know how crooked a character he is in suicide squad do they make it they work? justify it dude they do
2: they make it work okay You see where he came from, why he is the
0: way he is, and how he wants to change. Interesting. But we know he's going to die eventually. No. What do you mean? Didn't he die in Suicide Squad?
2: No. In in credits scenes, you see him in the hospital.
0: Oh, I don't remember, man. That's been a long time. And it picks up right there. Oh, oh, I thought it's not a prequel? I thought... No, Peacemaker is
2: John Cena, not the other guy.
0: What? I know John Cena is Peacemaker, but I thought he died in, in Suicide Squad. He didn't. I don't remember, dude. No, he didn't die. Okay.
2: He got shot up, but he didn't die. Oh. At the end, the, the the post credit is him like laying in the hospital bed. Oh,
0: I don't remember. Did we even watch the post credits? Yeah, yeah we it. did. I just assumed that since he turned out to be a bad guy in Suicide Squad, that this had to have been a prequel. But okay, apparently it's not. Nope. Interesting.
2: Nope, it's right after. Wow. Okay. And he's, and he's dealing with, he's like dealing with the mental anguish of like killing um, Rick Flagg. Who's Rick Flagg? <laughs>
0: You can tell I fucking remember. I liked Suicide Squad. But you can tell I fucking remembered a lot of it.
2: But I mean, in Suicide Squad, he basically portrays the
0: suicide. Right. Squad, yeah. 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 And they he had kills. A, they uh, had a big leader fight. to get the thing or whatever. He did the fucking X-ray in his heart.
2: Yeah, and he's dealing with that consequence the whole show, pretty much.
0: Wow. Okay. It's so good. That's it's really well done. That's interesting.
2: And all the people in the, some of the people that were you know in the office with uh, Amanda Waller. <coughs>
0: Uh-huh, but they return.
2: They're the supporting cast in Peacemaker, and you fall in love with them. It's great.
0: Oh, huh. interesting. It's
2: a really good show. Um. So I watched that. The new show that I watch, that I'm watching now, is Bel Air.
0: Oh, yeah, I heard some criticism on that. What do you think of it?
2: Uh, it's a good show, dude. Really? It's really well done. Yeah, I think it's great. Huh. I've mean, it's It's only five episodes in, but it's not, I mean... They're not making it to be a comedy like like, you know, like the original yeah. was. But it feels real. You know how like in the in the in the in the intro, it's like, you know, they have this whole thing about how he, you know, gets into a fight and mom got scared and he movie to That's Uncle, a, auntie, uncle and your your auntie and, and uncle Biller. Yeah. They expand that to show how messed up. I
0: heard about that. He actually kills somebody or gets involved no, in a shooting or something like that. Like it's it's like hard. It's like real shit. Not fun. Yeah, it's real.
2: Yeah, it's a it's a real thing. And then you he gets to Bel Air and he has to deal with the culture shock and all that stuff. It's like it's really good. And the guy who's playing Will is really good. Like he is, like he is a perfect casting.
0: Is he is he a well known or is it kind of like a new a new person, new actor?
2: I don't know if he's. I've never heard of him, but he's a young actor. Okay. And I think it's a similar thing with like you know, like Will Smith. Like he was he was known for his music, but he wasn't an actor before he did right. Like yeah, Fresh Prince. But yeah, he's really well, like everybody in the cast is really, really good.
0: That's interesting. I, like, I, I've only heard about one half of people being like cynical, being like, come on, you're going to take a, a comedic show and make it dark and serial," And then I've heard other people that were for it, but then they said it really, it, it fell short and they, they weren't sure it was doing what it was supposed to. But, and that's all I heard about it. I haven't followed it much. The thing is, like, I've only, like... I, I don't know what its, like, tomato meter would be if shows got rated on Rotten Tomatoes. I don't know.
2: Like, the thing is that this came about because of concept trailer put on YouTube, mm. like, years ago. Someone made a concept trailer of, like, you know, a, like, a realistic reboot of Bel-Air. Will Smith himself saw it.
0: Yeah, he put money behind it, right? He put
2: money behind it. So now, like, I think a lot of people reacted that way with the initial, like, the, the, the first trailer for this show. You're like oh, I don't know, but like I watched the trailer. And I was like, okay, that seems interesting, but I didn't hear about it until my friend told me about it. He was watching. It. He's like, I can't stop watching it. So then
0: I started watching it, and I'm just like, yeah, this is really good. good, we're getting a list of shows here. I'm gonna have to check out.
2: Yeah. Um. Other than that, uh, I've I've started watching the Planet of the Apes movies. The oh, the hey, one. yeah, you never seen them? I've 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 never seen any Planet of the Apes movies. So, dude. I watched the first reboot. No, Well, the first of the trilogy Yeah, yeah. that came out recently. So I've seen the one
0: with Dick, uh, James Franco. Yeah, yeah. Um, That's my least favorite. I thought it was great. good. I liked it a lot. I I, I didn't like that one. Uh, I had some issues with it. And then Jay showed me the second one. And part of the issues, too, is the visual effects. And I was still having issues of it. And then halfway through the second movie, I was on board. And then the third movie, I fucking love. But, uh... All the Planet of the Apes I'm, movies I'm, are good, even the bad ones. Go watch them all. Watch all the fucking old ones. Uh,
2: I may do that after I watch this trailer, yeah. but I think I'm I'm going to watch the second one tonight. I'll,
1: maybe. I'll go. I'll go. I'll go ahead and warn you a scene. Like if you're, if you're talking old school Planet of the Apes, the first one's good. The second one is good enough because like it uh, it kind of continues what the first one did because Charlton Heston is in both and. It had like the second one has one hell of an ending. I'll put it that way. Yeah, it has, it,
0: like, they they try to outdo the the famous ending of the first one by like five.
2: Which I wish I didn't get spoiled for that.
0: Um. Yeah, but that's like Darth Vader. You, you, you just know without even having seen the movie. But
1: the once you get. I think the third one is watchable from a sort of legacy standpoint of the first two movies, but I, I wouldn't call it a great movie. And then, no like, man, third one's
0: great. The third one, the third one inverts things, and it also has a gut punch of an ending. Third yeah, one's great. Like
1: I, I personally, I have mixed feelings on the third one, but I actually don't like the fourth and fifth one um, at all. I've seen them the both. F- I disagree. The fifth one,
0: I like okay, the, the fifth fourth one. one
1: and the fourth one, though, Josh, I'll give you that.
0: I don't think I've seen all the fourth one, but. It, it, took everyone off guard because it was so violent, and the fifth one is a comfy little adventure of what the world is like now after the Planet of the Apes and it has a little morality tale in it and it's perfectly serviceable and it has a really great uplifting ending I love that i thing. do
1: one thing I do like about the Planet of the Apes movies, though at least the old school one is that I do like the narrative of how their story works from movie one to movie five, because once you watch like everything from movie one, all the way up to movie five, you see, you know, all the ties that have been tied together that go back all the way up to the first movie when you watch the fifth movie. And in a lot of ways, it's pretty cool. Um, I did. I did yeah, like the, the
0: trilogy is kind of doing the same thing, or I should say the trilogy is tying up things to match the old movies too. Which I almost wish, but I do
1: ones. actually think that like the newer trilogy, like like basically Planet of the Apes, Battle and War, um, all three of those movies are just like really really good. Like basically they're like they're all professionally done. No one no one messed any no one dropped the ball on anything. Um, Andy Circus is just giving it his all for all three of these movies and. It's just good, man. Like, all three mo- all three of those movies are good. In fact, I would even go as far as to say that the Planet of the Apes trilogy that came out within the last, like, probably 10 years or so is up there with a, a perfect a perfect trilogy status where, like, the first movie sets something up. The third movie, I'm sorry, the second movie does, basically takes the first movie and does it bigger, badder, and better. And then the third movie is just basically m- way more focused on story and ties everything yeah. up well. It's very much akin to the Gamera trilogy of the 90s. I was about to compare it to Gamera. It's very much it, the same, it, yeah.
0: Whatever the second one's called, War for, War for the Planet of the Apes, Rise, I can't remember the titles. Dawn of the Planet. Dawn of, Is that the, yeah, second, the second one? Yeah,
1: the second one is Dawn, and then the, yeah. and the third okay. one is War. That's very much a
0: Gamera. One that's a very much Gamera, too. That is all out fuck. And then War, War for the Planet of the Apes is very much a scale back more character focused not giant epic battle that you think a part three would be and it's my favorite one i I, when i tell someone else about it i call it it's it's the gulag archipelago with chimps yep it's 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 a war (laughs) prisoner movie it's a it's a prison movie it's great yeah boy we just fucking geeked out on some planet of the apes just now didn't we Dude,
1: nothing wrong with that like i i own all three movies as a trilogy package when i bought them i love all three i think all three are great
2: I mean, I can't wait to watch the other ones. And, and the old and ones... Me, and my brother like, watched it, and we loved it.
1: Yeah,
0: even, even the bad ones, like Jay said, part five and part four, all the old ones are just like peak sci-fi. They have this pacifist, anti-war, pacifistic message. Uh, explore, exp- you know, they're not just dumb movies. They're really they're really fucking good. Oh, we left out the Tim Burton one, but... <laughs> I was about to say, what about the... <laughs> so, so, so that one,
1: I can't... I can't say that movie is good, but I can tell you that the makeup is great. The makeup in that movie is phenomenal because... Most of the
0: makeup is great. Hey, Cary Tagawa's yeah, in that, he by the is. way.
1: And Ooh. also, like... Well,
0: there you and go. And also, it's Stan
1: me. Winston did the makeup effects in that movie. Oh, God. And Stan, Winston's a, Stan Winston is a legend.
0: Well, you won't recognize Cary Tagawa in it. He's a gorilla. Huh? You won't recognize Cary yeah. oh. Tagawa in it. Anyway, go ahead. Dang. What movie you want well, to
2: watch? No, I was going to say, the reason why, one of the reasons why I want to watch the originals is because for years, you've talked, you've said the name Charlton, what? Char- Charlton Heston. Charles, Charlton Heston.
0: Why? For years? Are you talking about when I talked about my old boss? Cause he reminded me of Charlton yeah. Heston? Yeah.
2: But I never knew what you were talking about.
0: You didn't? I don't know who that is. Oh. Yeah. That's, that's what made him just, famous. That and uh, okay. Ben Hur and then being the head of the NRA forever. It, oh god. Yeah. yeah,
1: that's Charlton Heston. He he's <laughs> okay. been he's been in some other stuff, but yeah, but actually, plant like
0: uh, small small side in the Tim Burton Planet of the Apes, Charlton Heston cameos as an ape, and coincidentally, not coincidentally, he's the ape that introduces firearms yep. to the other it's apes. True. <laughs> wow! <laughs> and he dies. He dies saying like he mimics the same line he said in the old movie. I, I can't remember now, but yeah, it was pretty funny.
2: I heard that he's also in the first uh Rise of the Planet Leaves in, like, a TV commercial playing in the background or something.
0: I think he was dead by then, but I could be wrong.
2: No, I'm saying, like, there's an old, like, archival footage footage of him. Probably, yeah. yeah, I I wouldn't doubt it. Something like that. But, yeah, other than that, I had, the last thing I'll say really quick is that I had a, uh, I watched all the old TMNT movies. Oh, wow. Just randomly out of a whim, on a, like, on a whim. Um, Cause I haven't watched them in like twenty some years, and I don't think I ever watched the third one, so I just went and watched all three. Is that the one where the they go back in time? Trash. Yeah, it's trash. But then I and I also watched the two thousand and seven animated one, which is really good.
1: Two thousand and seven animated one is I have like I have my issues with that, but I will say. I sometimes will watch that that amazing freaking fight between Leo and Raph in that movie. Oh god, it's oh, so yeah. good! Yeah. That entire fight is really well done. It's just it, the only thing that sucks about TMNT 2007 is that the entire movie really feels like basically a whole bunch of cutscenes from a video game added together. Which makes sense because the director of that movie directed video game cutscenes before he did that movie. <laughs> It, like, yeah. it, like TMNT 2007 I can't say it's a good movie but it's got a lot of good ideas but it doesn't really have good execution in my opinion
2: it hasn't aged well as far as an animated movie but yeah. I still it's, still,
1: it. like, it's still not bad
2: uh, I would say I, I love the original uh, Ninja Turtles movie and the second one as well like even though they're like very bare bone and they barely use their weapons at all but I just have so much fun and my favorite scene which I think a lot of people love that have any of those two movies is the opening of. Dennis oh yeah. 2. Yeah, that, that's yeah. That's a, that's a fun opening admittedly. Where Or they, when they're fighting the robbers mm-hmm. in the mall, uh, Kino shows up and then the turtles show up and they just start goofing off. And it's just, I love it. It's that's what, that's what did the turtles on to me. So I'm like, cool. Nice. So I had fun watching those, but that was just a random, like, yeah, I'm just gonna kind of. I just kind of feel like watching the Ninja Turtles movies for
0: whatever reason. Have anyone, or or I guess you've seen? Since you're the one talking about Ninja Turtles, seen the 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 Michael Bay produced ones, the two back to back ones. I saw the first one. Was it any good? I don't know. <laughs> you don't <'Cause> know. Like,
2: <laughs> I was I was very I was very down on the movie going in because I was like, that's ah, Michael Bay, and I, mean, I don't like how the turtles The work. same way but I was like,
0: down on. Power Rangers when it was being produced and then it ended up being the best fucking movie that you yeah. had seen. But. Well, the thing
2: is that I got, uh, I think I've told a story before, but like I took i, had, I took uh, some of my younger cousins to see it because they really wanted to see it. Uh-huh. And I was like, oh God, I'm being dragged into this movie. And then we get into the movie and 20 minutes in, a storm kicks in and the power goes out wow. in the theater. So we had to wait another 20 minutes for it to kick back on. And then they're like, they gave us a voucher or whatever. And they're like, oh, you can go back and watch it. So, okay, fine. But they started over again. So we had to go through all the trailers again and all the 20 minutes that we On watched. On the same everybody. day? Yeah. And then by the time I got to the rest of it, I was like, Ugh, I'm tired. I want to go. <laughs> so, so I haven't, I, I, one day I want to go back and watch those and see if they're actually good. Because I've heard people say it's better than
0: I yeah, thought it would be. Keep in mind, it's not Michael Bay creative. It's produced, but it's not. Yeah. Directed so by. it's like, it could be, you know, it yeah. could be good.
2: Could be good, yeah. It's kind of so like when uh, and I know the second one has Beep Up and Rocksteady.
0: I think. So. Me and my friend and her nephew went and saw Transformers, uh, the second one, the Revenge of the, Revenge fallen. Of the fallen. That's the last Transformers movie I've seen, and uh, then we immediately snuck in and watched the beginning of Terminator, the fourth, Salvation? the fourth Terminator movie, the one with uh Michael or uh fucking Christian Bale. And Salvation. then we had to go to meet someone, so we walked out of it. I was actually getting into it. I was like, yeah, there's my boy, Christian Bale! And I was, I was starting to get into it, and then we had to walk out, and year, a year or two later, I rented it, and I was like, wow, why the fuck did I just waste two bucks? <laughs> <laughs> and that's Incidentally, that's yeah. the last Terminator movie I've seen, too.
2: <laughs> yeah, that's the last one
0: I've seen as well. But Yeah, that's me. Uh, yeah. Josh, what about you? Um... It's funny. It's like, I'm not really a big show watcher. Like, I think that's a known fact about me. Because, like, I, I guess yeah. I got to get obsessed about it. Because, like, remember when we were watching Common Rider Gaim? Yeah. Uh, and, like, it was like, we were all watching it separately. Uh, we just didn't have time because we were just plowing through it. Uh, and, I remember, I was having trouble keeping up. And Jared yeah. Jared made a bet with me. If I finished Common Rider Gaim in time, he would watch. Mortal Kombat ninety five. Yeah. And I <laughs> yeah. I think I fulfilled that bet. The reason I was having trouble watching uh because I was enthralled with True Detective season one. Um yeah. and that's probably I think there's only been one or two shows that I've actually been like watched. Like I gotta sit down and watch it, and that's True Detective and J knows uh Working, uh that, like probably one of the only fucking animes I watched. Uh Except not because i haven't watched season 2 and i there might even be a 3. Uh that and the the it's not my fault i'm not popular or whatever. Uh i forget what the japanese shortening of that is. That was then again i think it only had one mm. season. But outside that anime is fucking trash. Um should be ashamed to watch it. <laughs> um but uh lately though, uh i have watched a couple shows cuz i've been i've been coming home to to help out uh around home with my mom. So we end up hanging out, and watching shows, and we've been watching the new HBO uh, season two of uh fucking uh the Righteous Gemstones with John Goodman and Danny McBride, which mm-hmm. is kind of making fun of the mega church type people like the Tammy and Faye Baker right. types, uh very tongue in cheek. Yeah. And I never seen a Danny McBride anything. The only thing I saw him in was in a uh, Alien Covenant, which is a dog shit movie, uh but he was quite good in. He's a real fucking intelligent dude, because uh, he wrote and produced this, and the show's fucking hilarious. And it's also uh like a murder mystery at the same time, except, you know, it, it, only this show would you laugh at somebody tripping and falling in a giant puddle of blood. It, it's hilarious. It, it's fun. I, I can't stop watching it. It's great. And outside that, we are also uh, watching, because I never saw it all the way through, Boardwalk Empire. Lots of murder, murder and sex and corruption. Outside that I'm not really watching shows. Uh the last movie I saw, I think I was talking about it on the the stream was uh Texas Chainsaw Massacre The Next Generation with Matthew McConaughey yeah. and Renee Zelger, which I had seen parts of as a teenager, uh and I just got reinterested in the franchise since the new one was coming out. And yeah, I watched it. I watched it a little inebriated and the movie is fucking bizarre. Uh, and I couldn't tell if it was as bizarre as it really is or if it was just me, uh, but yeah. I had a hell of a lot of fun and then, because I wasn't tired, I did watch the new Texas chainsaw, and you know what it's not that bad, Jay, I think you'd like it. you like in horror movies, slasher movies uh it's it's perfectly serviceable horror slasher movie uh i would I would recommend watching
1: man, I mean, like I watched a pretty gem of a horror movie that I can't really describe because we are. We are a podcast, and we don't want to dive into too much bad subjects.
0: We are a PG yeah. podcast about people cutting each other's heads off. Peter.
1: Yeah, except that <laughs> except that we except that we curse all the time. But the movie is called Bunny the Killer Thing, and I, that's all I'll say. Yeah, look it yeah. up. I guess. Yeah. Yeah, you told yeah, me look about it. Up it. And, sounds and, and pretty and funny. I, and I and tell I you I'm what, Jay, that movie for a lot. Let,
0: of let's reasons. do a double feature if you want to watch that movie again. I wouldn't mind watching Texas Chainsaw Massacre again. If Yassine wants to watch either of these, he can, or he can bow it out. Let's do a double feature night. I'm good. <laughs> you good? You don't want to watch either of those? I'm good. Okay. Maybe me and Jay. Maybe if I come over to your place sometime, Jay, if we have a lot of time, we'll watch both of them. Or we'll split it yeah. up in a and, way.
1: Like, and Josh, like, uh, I will... Uh, I'd and like and you to Josh, see Texas. on this Texas. podcast, I will agree to that if you want to do it.
0: Okay. There you go. You heard it here first. Uh, outside that, that's all Like I've been watching. Like, I... And I don't watch a whole lot. Like, my sister has been going crazy uh, last year about Mandalorian. She's like, oh, you you got to watch Mandalorian. And I'm like, well, I don't have streaming. Uh, at the time, I was with Jay, so I'm like, I'm currently staying with Jay. He does have Disney+. Plus. Doesn't give a shit about Star Wars, so I probably can't get him to watch it. The only time I'm, I'm going to be able to watch it, I guess, is if I pirate it or something. But it's like, I also couldn't be fucked to watch Mandalorian. Until you've seen you, then don't watch it. I, I guess I won't. But when you told me about it, I kind of got interested.
2: I think it's a fun yeah. show. It's 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 got a rocky start, but it's a good show. But I also feel like if you're not into Star Wars in this, well, and this, I'm more
0: I'm, into Star Wars than Jay. I love I love Star Wars, but I'm not like obsessed about Star Wars. And I've also heard
2: people who are like only into Mandalorian. They don't they didn't like any of the sequels and the prequels, but. They really like Mandalorian. Oh, huh, that's so, interesting. I know.
0: That's kind of Disney create creating a new audience. Then that's kind of cool, actually. Pretty much. Yeah.
2: Like I'm way more interested in the Mandalorian and like the the, the Disney Plus version of Star Wars than I am for whatever comes next with the movies.
0: Yeah, probably me too. Unless weren't uh, they going to get Ryan Johnson to do his own trilogy or someone else too? We'll see. I mean,
2: that's what they say, but yeah. I don't know, man. They kind of screwed over his vision the first they time. They
0: did, so. and I'm kind of, I'm kind of uh, disen dis- dis- disenfranchised of Star Wars right now. Anyway, it's probably why I don't give a shit about the Mandalorian. Same. I mean, that's the
2: thing. Like, I've, I'm really digging Mandalorian to the point where I kind of want to go back and watch like Clone Wars and Star Wars Rebels, like the animated stuff. Yeah, yeah, because they actually like tie in that stuff into Mandalorian. Oh, really? Cause, like... Yeah, because like I mean, John Favreau is
0: basically the head of it, oh. but what's his name john favreau happy yeah damn okay cool
2: he's like the show he's kind of the showrunner i think of the show. oh wait movie. didn't he
0: direct the <laughs> predator that fucking sucked he directed the first iron man movie yeah actually that was decent yeah okay
2: mm. um well he actually directed the first two um but yeah the other guy who like who's directed a lot of it is uh den filoni i think is his name and he was the showrunner for like Star Wars, the Clone Wars show and Rebels show, and he's done a lot with like the lore, so he put a lot of that into these Disney Plus shows, and apparently it's really good. So I kind of want to go back and watch this at some point. Mm. But I wouldn't, I wouldn't say you have to watch Mandalorian if you don't care about Star Wars, but if you have an interest in Star Wars, it could be uh, worth the shot because um, it's also like it's not super tied to. The Skywalker stuff. Right, even though Luke shows up, right? He does show yeah. up, but most of the show is just him being a bounty hunter and trying to take care of this kid and uh, Sounds fun. Like, wolf what was it? Wolf and Cub?
0: Yeah. Uh, Lone Wolf and Lone Cub. Wolf Cub, yeah. Kind of like that. Not that I've seen those, but I know I know the I know the basic setup. It's, it's once again, story as yeah. old as time. Get badass yeah. and innocent uh tag along and have adventures together. You know what? That's a, that Pretty sounds much. up my alley. I'd watch it. Yeah, um, Yeah, I get around to it. It's like if I have the time. It's like right now um, I'm spending time here, watching the shows we're watching. I'm pretty good. When I have time to myself, I haven't really sought out anything to watch except if like, hey, I have yeah. two hours to watch a movie. Uh, curiously enough, I started to watch the, the next to last season of South Park that came out. It's like I think me, like most people, South Park stopped being funny 10 years ago. Um, and yeah. I stopped paying attention to it and like I did try to rewatch an episode not too long ago when I got access to HBO Max and I'm like, wow, it's totally not fucking funny. Then I watched the yeah. the the next to last season before the new one that just came out and I actually started to laugh. I'm like, okay, maybe I'll uh, maybe I'll follow this and then I haven't watched the <laughs> new season. But uh yeah. I've actually been so I'm I'm more of a reader too. So it's like Yeah. Uh when I'm not spending time with other people watching stuff, I probably I'm going to be off by myself either working on my writing or reading. Some people say like they, 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 they get off the horse on reading or they're out of practice. Uh, and I've never identified with that because I'm always reading stuff except recently. And it might be because I was in between shit to read or I did get Shin Megami Tensei five. And that destroyed my fucking attention span for anything else media related, at least until I dropped it. But, uh, I was reading, uh, in the middle of reading, uh, a book by, uh, author named Robert Bolaño. I forget if he's, uh, from, uh, Mexican or Colombian, uh, a South American author who's unfortunately passed away. Uh, this isn't his only book, but it was post, uh, published posthumously. It's called 2666. And it's actually one I had bought long ago when we were all in Chicago. Uh, I just bought it on the cover Mm -hmm. alone. And it turns out it's pretty popular in in lit circles. And it's a really fucking good book, but it's also like a thousand pages long. And it's divided into five sections. And I felt okay in dropping it for a while because he initially thought of publishing it as five different books at one point. Mm -hmm. And then maybe changed his mind, but it's unclear about whether it was his decision or his family's decision because it was published posthumously. But, uh, I basically was a third of the way through it, uh, until about two late 2016 when I got laid off and the whole trajectory of my life changed course. <laughs> uh, yeah. so I, uh, I kind of dropped it and I felt okay dropping it because I'm like, Oh, well, I finished reading section three. That's reading book three. I'd wait a year and read book four. And I was also in the middle of reading, uh, Bram Stoker's Dracula at the time, too. I was on a vampire kit because <laughs> I was playing, uh, Super Castlevania four and I was like, vampires. I never read Dracula. I started to read Dracula. You watching Twilight. Yep. Fuck that. Actually, I, w- I will say, out of curiosity, I did I did download the first Twilight book and started to read it.
1: I actually kind of liked it, dude.
0: It was pretty good. Chapter one, like the... the Bella, is that
1: her name? Yeah, Bella, yeah, yeah, Bella's the main character.
0: I was liking her character. I was liking her relationship with her father and the setting of the town. She drives a pickup truck. It was getting kind of comfy. Then it was like chapter two or three where she's mad because Edward's not looking at her and I'm like, Okay, I'm done. <laughs> I was done with that. I also incidentally in the same period uh started reading Interview with a vampire. I never fucking seen the movie. I didn't even know half the story. You know what? Book's pretty goddamn fucking good. Wait, you cut out
2: what book were you what reading?
0: Interview with a vampire, Anne Rice. Gotcha. That's the one with uh Tom Cruise and 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 uh, Brad Pitt. I didn't even realize Christian Slater was in it. I didn't even realize a young, uh, Kirsten Dunst, Kirsten Dunst was in it. I didn't know any of that. Yeah. I never saw that fucking movie. Book's really good. Curiously, I dropped it halfway through probably, I I don't know, that was after I got laid off but before COVID, I don't know, shift, change of gears. I didn't finish Dracula either. Oh, Dracula is really fucking good. But anyway, recently I felt like picking back, I usually don't have this problem of dropping stuff, at least books, and picking yeah. them up later. I do with video games. Uh, but recent development, but yeah, I did pick up. Life, life's been life. Me, life's been fucking wild for everybody. Uh, not just because of COVID, just you know, life, man. Um, yeah, it's man. like I almost was not sure about doing this podcast, but I did. I did, and you know what? Had a fucking hell of a good time so far. But twenty six sixty six. It's a good book. I can't describe the plot very well, except it's about a fictional town in Mexico where a lot of bad shit happens, and it starts out about three writers who are trying to find the identity of a famously reclusive German writer, I think? German or Italian? And it ends up them just hanging around, and some love affairs happen, some really bad shit happens, and then the next section is a reporter covering a story, and then the next section is something else, and it all has a backdrop of a series of women murders that are going on, and that's the section I'm on now is quote unquote the part about the crimes. And it's the longest part. And it literally is about a 300 page description back to back of all these horrific murders that have gone on. And it's a little monotonous. <laughs> that sounds really like boring and awful, but it's actually pretty good. And then the final part is the dedicated to the reclusive author. So it's like, I'm, I'm three quarters of the way through the book right now. Just had a vacation recently and uh, had a time to read it on the airplane.
2: Let me put that on my list i've been I've been accumulating a list of books to read this year
0: okay um and if if you want to get through them depending on stuff you're used to reading, I would say it might be a difficult book because it is unusual and it is once again long and it is unorthodox. it's also a translation, and there's some snobs that say you know. You're not fucking reading the book for real if you're reading the translation, but fuck those people. This one's, I think it's translated. What's it called? Tw- literally in numerals, uh, 2666. 2666. By who? Uh, Robert Bolagno. And with a little squiggly accent mark over it. Okay, cool. Check it out. But like I said, it's, it's not a, it's not a normal book. <laughs> it's a fucking weird book. And it's a long book. Gotcha. But, uh, yeah, so that's, that's what I'm consuming. That and... Boardwalk Empire, which I might also read the book about the real-life Boardwalk Empire. I've been interested about the mob lately. Uh, I fucking hate mob (laughs) movies, but now I'm watching Boardwalk Empire, and now that, you know, I've been to a city that has a history of the mob in it, and I miss going to the mob museum. I'm kind of interested in the history of that city now. And, you know, I might read read that book at least. But uh, outside of those two shows and the Texas Chainsaw... Haven't had anything I watched recently except just rewatching old movies. I rewatched Versus. Oh, I rewatched uh, Versus. Rio A. Kimura, guy that directed Godzilla Final yeah. Wars. I was gushing to you guys about uh, that other movie he directed called Downrange. Yeah. This has been a couple months ago now, so it's a little, little old now compared to what we're talking about, but I do recommend seeing that. Along the same lines of Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Really fucking tense. It's not a slasher; it's a shooter, because um, it's about okay. a bunch of teens that you know get stranded on the side of the middle of nowhere road, and a sniper is hiding somewhere, popping shots at them, and the whole movie is them trying to to escape. And it right. starts out kind of slow, but then it gets holy fuck! I think there was a moment where I literally got off the chair and sat on my knees and said holy fuck, and I was <laughs> I was there for the rest of the movie. And it is very much a Kitamura movie, too, if you're familiar with his stuff. Yeah. I mean,
2: I, last year I watched the, I think I watched the director's cut of uh,
0: Versus. Mm, yeah. It came out on Blu ray.
2: And yeah, man, I had fun with that movie. Yeah.
0: It's ridiculous. I still like the original a little better. I, I, I watched it on YouTube recently again, even though I have the DVD. Uh, and it was the extra verses, Ultimate Versus or whatever, and they have the extra scenes. I, I, I'm torn, man. I think I like the original just a yeah. hair better, but.
2: That's fine. I mean, I don't remember much about the original, so I just kind of I was like, "Oh, let me just watch the whole thing and see how it is." And I was like, "It's still good." Yeah,
0: perfectly better than Final yeah. Wars, right?
2: So much better. Yeah, that, is that it?
0: Yeah, that's pretty much it. I mean, that's that's my consumption, uh, and that's my inspiration. Jay, Jay, you got anything else to to cover yeah, on that? No,
1: no, I don't have like I don't have anything on my end. I mean, currently uh, there's other shows that I want to get into um in the near future there's actually been some anime that uh, some people have recommended to me that i kind of want to watch but more than anything i mean i just need to catch up on a whole bunch of live action shows like hawkeye is not particularly holding my interest right now but other things like tent like actually are like um um i do want to watch uh more of the ozark because i know season four of that just came out and i've heard it's good um, I know I want to watch, you know, uh, like I'm still currently watching Warrior and I'm loving that. That show is good. I've heard Succession is really, really good. I mean, like, it's just, it's almost, it's also kind of hard because like, I feel like we've been living in the golden age of television ever, really ever since Breaking Bad yeah. aired way back in the day. It's
0: Oh, before that even. I'd say Sopranos. Yeah, Sopranos probably started it. Where, where, where television right. shows are just becoming yeah, serials yeah,
1: te- yeah television shows are just honestly becoming really really good i'll even say that before game of thrones went to complete and utter crap it, like those first four seasons <laughs> of really i would even give it give it to the first five the first five season of game of thrones is phenomenal writing in terms of like a fantasy perspective i mean like it was just that well good. you can
0: thank george R. R. martin for yeah. that
1: yeah but once, but once you hit season, once you hit season six and later, it just it completely just falls off a cliff and flee for and free falls into oblivion. Unfortunately, so.
2: Well, for better or worse, George R. R. Martin is was like one of the creators. Yeah, that's of
1: part of Otonut. the reason why I bought it. Oh yeah, that was something he was tweeting it. about, right? Yeah, yeah, he, yeah. Sh- he should be writing his new book. You know that has been in development for twenty years, <laughs> but now he's working on freaking video games.
0: He is. Hey. Hey, man, you can't be crunk all the time. That's what Lil John said one time. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he can't... He can't
2: <laughs> and on that note, I think that's a good way to end Is that it. my outro? Sure
0: all right, Josh, give us
1: your outro. What have you got for us today, man?
2: Uh, before we get to the outro, let's, let's, let's give us... little picture. Sure. Oh,
0: yeah, yeah. It's like we did mention, uh, we're not out of ideas. There's shit coming up. So, yeah, you seen? go, go give them a little taste
2: yeah so like we said we're gonna admit we're gonna at some point do a mythologies sub-zero podcast where we talk about that game uh we're also going to talk about mortal kombat 4 which is uh, we're gonna do that after mythologies, yeah maybe right?
0: not immediately yeah. after but since it came since it came out parallel we're definitely going to be talking about it close to
2: yeah um we plan on doing i believe the next one after this would be the art of mortal kombat so we're going to delve into that topic
0: yeah we we, we shouted out Dan dan ford now we're going to be shouting out john vogel basically
1: yep
2: yep 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 and after that we are going to at some point we're going to talk about the mortal Kombat 4 comics good tie in with mortal Kombat 4 Damn, yeah um so yeah we got we got we got some stuff down
0: the pipe. we got shit Fairby on our way. roster
2: yeah.
0: yeah yeah and with that josh take it away take it away huh well <clears throat> I would normally save a story for uh, what would seem traditionally our game-focused episodes, because I've told a story for our MK1 and our MK2 and three episodes. For lack of anything for this episode, though, uh, I did have a story that recently happened to me that I feel warrants telling. So, uh, And it's not a long one. It's not as long and drawn out as some of the other ones I've told, but I'll just go into it. Okay. i I'd mentioned recently uh, I did go on vacation uh, not too long ago, actually with Jay here. I don't wanna you know, I was a little cautious because of COVID and all that, but you know, I was all vaxxed, I was all boosted, and I came back fine. So I felt pretty okay. I was cautious. Uh had a lot of fun. I'm not gonna go into details about where and what we did, but let's just say I happened to be by uh the uh gold and silver pawn shop of uh Mr. Pawn Stars guys. Uh so that fucking narrows that fucking narrows down where we went. Uh the reason I went there is because my mom has this old stopwatch, like an old fucking golden chain watch from her great grandfather, and she's like, "If you're gonna be near there, just go in and uh, get it appraised. See what they're gonna take it for. Cause in the past, I've taken it to pawn shops here, but I don't trust people out here in the middle of fucking nowhere. They're probably lying." I'm like, "Okay, mom, sure. <laughs> um, I'm like, I don't think I'm gonna make a hundred thousand dollars off it, but I'll just see. This humor, you know, if it makes." $100? Sure, I'll take $100 for it. So, I uh, went off on my own and I went over to there. I uh, rode an Uber there uh, because I was told you might not want to walk there. And ended up being like, it's not that bad of an area. I walked back from there uh, to where we were staying. But I walked, walked in and I'm at the fucking, I'm assuming it's the fucking gold and silver pawn shop from Pawn Stars. It doesn't look anything like it is in the TV show. I think they probably film it at a different location because this place is fucking, if you've never been in it, it's narrow. Like right. I've seen pawn shops here in backwoods, Georgia that are bigger. Uh it's really yeah. it's really narrow. It's not that long. And I was looking forward to go there because I love I love pawn shops and thrift shops. I love finding shit. I thought I'd buy some cool something. There wasn't nothing there worth a shit buying. No offense, no offense, uh, Mr. <laughs> pawn Shop guy. But uh I walked over to where the uh appraisal desk was to you know, see how much my mom's uh, stopwatch is worth. And a guy in a cowboy hat greeted me. And he looked at it and said, oh, yeah, it's not Texas, but might as well be. He had, uh, he said it was overwhelmed. Uh, so it was broken. So technically that takes points off there. He looked at it and there wasn't a key that came with it. And he tried his own and it wouldn't work. So he's like, I, I wasn't expecting anything anyway. But he said, "I pretty much can just give you what the silver value of it is and that would be about ten dollars and i'm like yeah i'm not i'm not surprised but damn i didn't think it'd be that low and i'm like i wasn't planning on selling the watch while i was there just you know my mom was curious but i was really starting to get my hopes up and i'm like well i hate to go home empty hand i sure as hell ain't saying this selling this watch for ten dollars but i gotta have something on me that's worth i want to take i don't want to come home empty handed i want to make my mom happy so i'm like yeah there's got to be something i could do to maybe increase the price sweeten the deal you know and he's like what else you got on you dude and i i had boots on me i just bought before we went on vacation because the past year and a half in COVID, i haven't uh been using many clothes or shoes i've i'm down to one pair of shoes and like two pairs of pants so i had went out and bought some stuff i bought a new pair of boots and i quite like them and i was like well here and I, I untie my laces, I pull off one of the boot and I kind of slam it down So steel toe boot on the counter. I'm like, how about this? This is a brand new fucking boot. How much that's worth? And he's like, I think I might got somebody in back that uh, might be interested. Hold on a second. I'm like, okay. And I'm sitting there with one boot off and, you know, one boot on the counter next to my mom's watch. I'm folding my hands and I'm waiting. And a guy goes back and out the door opens again. And someone from out back, someone different comes out. It's Carrie Tagawa. And he walks up to the counter, looks at me like he fucking recognizes me. And I recognize him. And he picks up my boot and he looks at me and he goes, Your so it's mine. It. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Outstanding.
2: Thanks for listening to the podcast. You can follow us on both Twitter and Instagram at Combat
1: Time Pod. And visit our Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash Combat Time Podcast. You can also email us at combattimepodcast at gmail.com if you have any questions you'd like us to answer on the show. See you next time. Mortal Kombat continues. Get over here!